still standing. And the fact that I'm still standing crawls under Steiner's skin every day. I mean, he may be a genetic freak, but he's no mental giant. The game plan I have for greed can be summed up into two words. Diamond cutter. I can hit that cutter from anywhere, because I hit him with that. Diamond cutter. It's over. I'm not the hunted. I'm the hunter. Ad read, well, Steiner, he's getting mad. If it's professional wrestling, then it must be greed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first WCW Greed Welcome to episode 69 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. March 2018, and we've done 69 of these episodes. We have. Pretty ridiculous. When I scroll down our SoundCloud page and I see how many of these things we've done, it's it's getting ridiculous now. The good thing is, if you want to just binge listen, you can listen... Uh, pretty much for a few days straight. You yeah, could, you could start at episode one and just keep going nonstop. You yeah. can drive from California, from the west coast to the east coast, listening to us nonstop. nonstop. Me and you just talking about pro wrestling. Absolutely, the dream come true, the American dream come true. You know who else turned sixty nine this week? Oh, this is episode sixty nine, and it is none other than the greatest of all time. Rick Flair's 69th birthday this past week. He's very lucky to have made it to 69, considering what happened last year. But if there's any man that would celebrate the age of 69, it's definitely Rick Flair, as the man has uh, climbed Space Mountain many a times. He's been all around the world. Really, for someone that's 69, and for a guy that's always looked old, he looks pretty good, I'd say, especially yeah. considering what he's been through. He's a he's a living piece of history. I always say it. It's uh, he is. I do. I think personally, I'm not going out of my realm on this at all. 
I think a piece of him, as for a you know a robe or something like that, needs to be put in the Smithsonian. I mean, he is literally that big to sports. He's a sports icon in the likes of a Richard Petty or a Muhammad Ali or a Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. Uh, he, he is up there as, as the highest of highs. He is the man. And so... And the only way to be the man is to beat the man. And he was beaten quite a bit, but he's still the man. He's still the man. He is. And what did he get for his 69th birthday? He is a true horseman now, for sure. He got a... Uh, a he was gifted co-ownership of a horse. And so, uh, I don't know any details about this horse. I'm assuming it is a, a race horse. Well, if there's one thing Ric Flair's known for, it's bad investments. And a race horse tends to be a pretty bad investment unless you get lucky. But uh, good for him, you know. Uh, I'm actually surprised more wasn't made about it on WWE television about his birthday. Or you I know, figure next year being 70th. 70th yeah, it's always those zeros and fives people yeah. really uh, concerned with. But sadly, a lot of wrestlers don't make it to this age. So we're just very fortunate. We're very blessed to have this living icon uh, amongst us. Yes. They're yeah. all getting up there. We're all getting old, man. We are. Scary. Time just keeps passing us by. I'm gonna big. I'm gonna be the big three zero this year. That's this year, crazy. I really thought you were 28. Your mom said you were 28 last okay, year. Well, so. my mother is. <laughs> my mother. I just think she would know. Okay, you would think she would. However, I'm, I'm thinking that old age is starting to kick in on her, maybe because she uh, she neglected to inform the world that I was 29. I was. She said I was 28, and I'm not. I'm 29, and so. Uh, but hey, I'll stay twenty nine forever. That's good for good with me, you know. So happy birthday to the Nature Boy, who's a big part of uh, this week's review. So uh, he's happy the, birthday! Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's a big part of next week's as well, because I am I am fired up. I am in a dusty Ric Flair mood. So well, it's a great rivalry. Probably yeah. one of the greatest. One of the greatest of all time. Staying with Ric Flair. Uh, I sent you the uh, the link this past week. I don't listen to rap. I don't know many rappers of any kind. The fact that I know Snoop Dogg is is a pretty big success for the uh, for my acknowledgement. But there is a rapper out there. I, I'm not aware of his name, but he has made a video and uh, created a song called Ric Flair Dip, and it is featuring the Nature Boy himself. It is a rap video. I sat and watched it earlier. Can't understand a single word he said, but it does have Ric Flair in it the whole time. Now, is this the the guy that spoke Spanish that made the Ric Flair video a few months this ago? This is a different one. And there are a ton of Ric Flair songs. In fact, in honor of Ric Flair's birthday, I will include like four or five snippets of Ric Flair rap songs because there are there's probably more than that, but well, I'll include a few. My, well, this one, the language is pretty, pretty intense on. So it's okay. I understand. We'll have to find a, We'll have to find a little slim down segment in it. But well, yeah. we say some pretty rotten things on here too. So, yeah. Um, I'm going on tour, and I'm going to show anybody out there that thinks for one second that maybe I'm second guessing myself that I am the greatest of all time forever and ever. What surprise? What surprise? Woo! I'm back. 
song is is by killer mike and it's just called rick flair and it's the music video for it is killer mike and charlotte and you see these old um world championship wrestling you know the saturday night show all these old rick flair promos play on the buildings in charlotte and instead of like rapping about rick flair it's just rick flair promos are incorporated into the song and it's a really great song so check that out if you but there's a million rick he's He's the most popular wrestler among rappers because he was doing the the rapper thing. You know, um, early '90s rap was more about like violence and get East Coast West Coast gang stuff. But today's rap, it's all about money and power and fame, and that's what Ric Flair was. And so, yeah. all these current rappers today, they all look at him as the inspiration. You know, right? He's the original current modern day rapper, basically. I mean. Uh, the guy that just brags about how rich he is, all the jewelry he has, all the women he sleeps with. That's a rapper. I mean, he he gave you the blueprint of how to be a rapper in the year, you know, in in the late 2000s, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, he did. And uh when you think about wrestling heels and they're cutting promos, it's always like, oh, "I'm going to smash you, I'm going to break your leg or whatever." Ric Flair's promos were never about that. It was just like, I have more money than you, I look better than you, I get all the women, and I'm probably going to beat you in the wrestling match. It was never about violence with Ric no, Flair. It was yeah. never like, I'm going to smash you up or, you know, it was one I'm of those... tear you from piece, you know, p- yeah, it wasn't like piece a, to pieces or yeah, something. Yeah, it wasn't a Road Warriors promo. Right. It, it was a different kind of way of insulting you. That exactly. You're, you're not in my league. Yeah. That's why I'm going to beat you, because yeah. you're just not in my league. I'm custom from head to toe. You can't, yeah. you can't lace up my boots so don't even attempt to step in my ring i don't need violence to beat you because i'm just better than you at everything else so i can just so it's uh, it's god man i love rick i love rick and uh i really wish that there was a collection on the network of nothing but rick flair promos just no matches just promos there's a in his uh in his, I know they they do include a lot in that collection. In that collection, but not enough. Yeah, I could listen to him talk all day. I mean, I don't want the same because he he did get repetitive in a lot of promos. But you know, when you find different ones, just a collection, I could listen to it all day. It's just a, a master class in 
in uh, how to cut a wrestling promo. So I got done finishing watching our pay per view this week, and I was enticed to go and watch their uh, their rivalries, uh, their rivalry uh, that WWE put in the uh, the rivalry collection of with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, and uh, it was just man, I, God, it's one of the greatest rivalries of all time. Not, I mean, not knocking, not knocking any other uh, competitors or you know the likes of Ricky Steamboat. Cause well, yeah, his, Flair, his his rivalry with Ric Flair is be far and foremost. But Rick Steamboat is no Dusty Rhodes on the microphone, right? And, that's, and, and neither is Sting. I mean, yeah, all these other great Flair rivalries, they're good, but they're just they, they lack the kind of chemistry that he had with Dusty. Even though Flair credits. Steamboat as being his best in-ring opponent, I think, on the microphone, I think he would say Dusty was probably yeah as close as an equal to him as as there was. Because I mean, they literally talked you into buying a ticket, without a doubt, split second. I mean, Ric Flair was in decent shape, but it's not like I'm being sold on the physique of these two amazing performers. You know, it's not Lex Luger and British Bulldog. You know, selling me on ah, I'm just big and you know, it's, it's something else. You know, right. it's, it's something else that I can relate to. They were so they were so similar, but yet so so different. You know, the common man, the rich man. You know, the 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 working hard. You know, doing everything you can with you know to get by and the silver spoon. You know, you got all the way down to their sports teams. You had the Celtics lover versus the Lakers lover. I mean, it was, you know, it was it was a rivalry built for professional wrestling, and uh, it, it worked so well. Well, one thing I always love, though, is that, you know, when he's not in character, Dusty Rhodes lived it up just like Ric Flair. I mean, oh, they yeah. were best of friends. Oh, yeah. And they were, he was living just as lavish a lifestyle. So it, imagining those two palling around and just all the fun that they had in the, in the 80s when things were wild, taking the Jets you know, to, to Vegas and just hanging out, you know, you know, staying away, you know, keeping kayfabe alive so, you know, yeah. they're not spotted together, but just, you know, all the great times they had together. These, these guys must have just had a fucking blast. Yeah. They they just seem like two of the most fun guys to, to be around. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Makes me wish I was in the business back in those days to have been able to just been in that locker room. I always think that I, I would have really thrived in the 80s. I mean, I was born in the 80s, but... Uh, I was too, but... Yeah. But, like, uh, you know, to have to have been a young adult in the 80s, it just seemed like a lot of fun. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. It just right. seemed like an era that I would have enjoyed more, I think, for some reason. Just probably because I would have gotten into drugs and done a lot of cocaine. I don't know why I want to go you, to the you 80s. You probably would have. Yeah, you I probably, probably wouldn't be here today if I had... Uh, I uh, lived it up in the 80s, so it's probably a good thing I was born later, but it, it just seemed like a lot of fun. But yes, so the song is called Ric Flair Dip. Um, is it some kind of dance move, I guess? No, it is. It's not. It's talking about uh, wearing lots of gold and, and just living it up. Basically what we just talked about. It's uh, That's what it is. So I was hoping it was a dance move. It, I wish it was. That would be kind of cool. But I to have a, a dance move named after you that would be pretty awesome for it for, probably would just be some version of the strut you know but maybe which by the way Charlotte needs to learn how to do the strut her strut sucks <laughs> I'm sorry it's the mixed match challenge had Bobby Roode and Charlotte they were a team it was team Bobby Woo or something like that 
And uh, at the end of the match, Charlotte gives Bobby Roode a lesson on how to do the strut. And it should have been the other way around because Charlotte sucks at strutting. I'm sorry. <laughs> she hangs her tongue out of the side of her mouth. Maybe at the Hall of Fame, Jeff Jarrett can give her a lesson. Someone needs to help her out with her strut because she just does not have it down. It's true. She looks robotic when she does it. That's it's true. just. Did you know that Ric Flair did not invent the strut? Oh, I know. I know. I'm aware. But okay. he perfected it. He perfected it. That's true. It's the. Uh, Who's it named after? Jackie Fargo. Yeah, the Fargo strut, right? That's yeah. right, yeah. And it was done right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's it's just like the Nature Boy gimmick. That's it's true. just like Buddy the Fargo. That's true. You can... That is very true. Other people created it, but he came and perfected it. Michael Jordan didn't invent basketball, but he took it to the next level, and that's what Ric Flair did with the Nature Boy gimmick and the Fargo strut. That's, that's very true. Because at the end of the day... There's, I hate to say it, Jackie Fargo and Buddy Rogers, but we're not going to remember that. You know, no. twenty years from now, no one will even know that they did it. There'll be super nerds like us that say, "Well, oh, I'm gonna, well, I, well actually, I'm going to try to keep that memory alive." But yes, to to live the way he has lived, to have done the things he has done, to have seen the things he has seen, whether it be in ring or outside out partying, Ric Flair has got enough stories to last an entire lifetime. And I would love to to have a show, if there was a way of sitting down, an adult-only show, and just to hear some of the likes of stories that Ric Flair has to say from overseas, you know, and and are going out and partying afterwards it just would be hilarious to listen to but uh so yeah rick flair gets a horse turned 69 and is in a new rap video he's an official he's finally a horseman he is finally a horseman also moving on if you remember a couple years back i say a couple years it was more like a year and a half ago to a year ago uh tammy cinch aka sunny had some uh some problems Run-ins with the law. It's been more than just a year. and It's been a long road for uh, Tammy. But she's gotten better. She has. At certain points. She has She has cleaned up her act. Sometimes. She has done a lot better. Um, Addiction is something you're going to struggle with, and you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have good periods, and you're going to have bad periods. She hasn't had anything to drink in, in quite some time now. She has really done a lot better. However... Unfortunately, she was picked up last night, arrested on the charges of fugitive of justice and contempt of court. Yeah, it was stemming from a couple of uh, DUI arrests earlier this year. Uh, you need to show up to your court dates. Well, last year. They'll issue a bench warrant for your arrest if you don't show up for a speeding ticket. Yeah, ask Al Snow. He'll tell you. Yeah, so uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about this arrest. It's just it's, it, nothing, it's an oversight. Yeah, it's an oversight. It's nothing... It's nothing like she's back in, she's falling off the wagon or any of that, because I know that crap's going to happen and it's going to be said, so that's why I went ahead and brought it up now. She is completely fine. She is doing well. She strictly just was not aware of a court date. Yeah, you get picked up. Just kind of kind of wanted to kill those rumors before they got started there. Just, uh, you know, she's, she's doing better. She's doing better. Everybody loves Sonny. Believe it or not, everybody loves Tammy Cinch. Well, we do, but it, you know, life is tough when you're not in the business anymore, and well, to, everybody, to, to everybody, find your way. Everybody knocks on her. Everybody has some negative opinion to say or call her names or you know things like that. And 
I, you know, you knock on her, but yet, once again, I've said it time and time well, again, she was the most downloaded woman on AOL history. and For so, one year. Uh, there's, look, a lot of, some of it she's brought upon herself. I mean, look, some, some wounds are self-inflicted. I do feel bad for her, but, you know, uh, just like uh, China, you know, it's it's a similar kind of story where, yeah. you know, at some point, depression is, is genetic. Uh, struggles sometimes are out of your control. I mean, she definitely didn't plan on losing uh, Chris Candido when he passed away in yeah. 2005. Um, you, some things are out of your control and some things are, and, you know, it, it's tough to... There's no retirement plan for wrestlers. There's no... There's nothing it's hard to find your way. And so I never knock her for her struggles or whatever, because it's, I can't imagine, uh, you know, being in a business uh, for so long, being so popular, uh, making a lot of money at all at once. And then that going away basically overnight and then trying to have to figure out your way from there. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing to do. So uh, I definitely don't fault her for her struggles I, I can totally relate to her. I mean, if I was out of my job tomorrow, I would probably have a lot of the similar struggles. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is, is I guess the reason I bring it up, too, is because a lot of people want to point fingers, but and it, it goes back to what you were told as a, a child. When you point fingers, you got to remember for four more pointing back at you. You know, don't don't knock somebody else on their struggles because I guarantee you, you've got your own as well as others. And you know there's there's just no need in it there's no need in it at all last but certainly not least a rare appearance of dory funk jr last night at nxt he was backstage he didn't do anything in ring wise but he was actually before the show and after the show in the ring still working with uh with some of the young talent and so that's awesome to look back and see you know here's the man who trained edge and christian who trained you know, uh, Kurt Angle. He trained all these great generational stars through for the Attitude Era. The Funk family is is synonymous with helping the wrestling business, and you know it's unbelievable. Here it is. I don't. I think he's around his. I think he's around eighty. I'm not. Yeah, he's seventy seven. Seventy seven. So for the likes of, of Dory Funk to be in there. And he'll still take bumps. And if you if you book him, I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, at 77 years of age, he will come, he will lace up his boots, he will get in the ring, and he will put on a legitimate wrestling classic unlike any other. Uh, runs a school still for training young and upcoming kids. Um, but it's just awesome to see him helping out WWE talent and helping out having that, that fingerprint – the likes that uh, that Dusty Rhodes had that is no longer with us to see a real true legend filling in that gap that to me that's just really cool so I've always kind of wondered why they never brought in uh, Terry or Dory to work full time in the development system yeah um, it might be because they don't really respect hardcore wrestling as a uh, you know a brand uh, that but Terry Funk is much more than hardcore wrestling, you know. I mean, that that's how he extended his career for many, many years. But right. he's much more than that. And it's always curious to me that someone like 
you know, Norman Smiley has a job at NXT and Terry Funk doesn't. Right. I mean, maybe it's because Terry Funk can honestly, you know, make more money, you know, out on the indie circuit at the age of 73. But um, I've just always been curious about that, why they, well, why see, they never Dor- kept him on. Dory Funk never did any, any hardcore stuff. Dory Funk has always right, been a true yeah. wrestling legend, a true wrestling enthusiast. And uh, if Triple H was running the entire show, I think they would probably be more built in but i i don't think the vince and it's not his fault because he he just he grew up in a different universe you know he grew up with his father's brand of sports entertainment right he, he and so i think vince doesn't really respect nwa wrestling and it, right. it's it's just the way he was raised it's not i don't think it's something personal that he holds against but what kills me is is he doesn't respect the nwa but yet his father was part of the nwa that's what kills me. Right, but it was his goal for I so mean, he was it was his away. goal to break away and he succeeded at that. And kudos to him. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying there's so many legends out there to this day like Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Gerald Briscoe. True, true Well, I mean Gerald's still in the family. So. True in yeah, but Gerald doesn't really work for the company anymore. But true wrestling enthusiasts that could go in there and work with this talent this young brand of talent and then you have an endless supply of rick flair for the love of god if anybody can teach you how to do a promo it's fucking rick flair but i mean the way they do promos now it's not that's what i'm saying if they would um, yeah they have resources available that they don't utilize. they don't utilize and that's what blows i guess that's what blows my mind the most and you know, you Ben, you've talked about it behind you know, behind closed doors. You know, just shooting the bullshit, watching wrestling. That it's it's ridiculous. The fact that they don't utilize the assets that they have. Right. Yeah. That not every other company, not every other you know organization. Well, and them being the biggest, they have they have their choice. You know. Right. They're the. I hate to refer to it, but, I mean, they are the major leagues. They have first dibs at anything that they want. Anything they want can be theirs if they so desire. Right. And they just don't take that opportunity with certain individuals and certain... As Vince, you know, lowers his role in the company, I think that's going to change. I mean, I think you're already starting to see it a little bit. Yeah. um, Because bringing Ronda Rousey in was totally a Triple H thing. Vince had no clue of Ronda Rousey or her success. And so I think, and Triple H taking over 205 Live, you're start and and signing all those uh, former TNA talents and allowing them to keep their their name and their brand. I mean, that's something Vince would never go for a few years ago. So that's like Jericho's. uh, I didn't want him to say it on the news, but we're, we're hitting that mark anyway. Um, Rumor is that Rey Mysterio is actually getting signed with the WWE, but he's going to be doing the, uh, he's getting kind of the Chris Jericho type contract where he does work for WWE on a very, very limited basis, but he's also going to be allowed to do other avenues that WWE has no way in shape, form, or fashion abilities to tell him no he can't do you see I, i'm glad that you you brought up mysterio because i actually think that that is a a red herring i think that's something that the company has thrown out because they want you to believe that cena is not going to wrestle undertaker 
at WrestleMania. So they've thrown out this rumor that, yeah, we might sign Rey Mysterio, and that'll be seen as opponent. But I don't, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see, I don't see Mysterio coming back, especially before that New Japan show. But I, I just don't see him coming back. He will not be seen as opponent at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. No, God, no. Well, I mean, it also doesn't make any sense storyline-wise uh, for Cena to fight Mysterio because one of their long-term booking things is those two have always been friends. And yeah. Mysterio's not a heel. Cena's definitely not a heel. There's no... Where's the heat? You know, where? why, why are these two wanting to fight? Just because, oh, I can't get The Undertaker, so I just, I'll take you? Yeah. While we're on the subject of John Cena, I just think what they're doing with John Cena right now makes him a bit heelish. Um We'll talk about Elimination Chamber in a second, but... Okay, so John Cena is the free agent, in quotation marks, so he can float to show to show or whatever. He didn't win the Royal Rumble, so he did not get his title match. So he tried his luck at the Elimination Chamber. Well, he lost that. His path is is done, because Nakamura won the Rumble. Right. Well, now he shows up and he says, well, I guess I'll go to SmackDown and try my hand at that five-way match to get into the main event. I'm sorry, that just makes him seem like, like a, like fucking Hulk Hogan. Like yeah. I didn't get my way. I'm a baby. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yeah, I'm a whiny baby. I keep losing all my matches. I really want to be in the main event, and so I'll just go over here and try it again. And I just think it makes him come across like a big heel. I, I just the think only the only thing I can think of to pull this off is for it to be like they won't do it. But this is the only way that I could see it working. Is Taker catch him like on SmackDown and back in you know backstage or something? Be like, hey, you're acting like a little bitch, you know, just because you didn't get your way. I've never gotten my way. I've had to earn every fucking step I've took. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've sold me on it already. And then they build. They build for you know that him and Taker. He was bitching about, oh, last year I was in that tag match and I haven't main evented in all these years. That's just not a face thing to... Right. A face would never complain. I'm like, I have it main evented in three years. That's what I'm saying. You're going to... To me, that's what you're going to get. That's what... That's the only way I could buy into the fact that, well, fine, you want a match. You want to keep bitching and moaning. Fine, I'll be your opponent. Yeah. Let's see how badass you I'm truly gonna are. I'm going to come out of retirement. Yeah. Just to beat your ass for being such a whiny bitch. Yeah. I... And also, okay, so when it comes on that day, WrestleMania, New Orleans, possibly, we say it every year, Taker's last match. Who knows? He'll probably be back next year. <laughs> Who do you book to win that match? Taker. Why, though? Cena has to fall. You can't have him go in being this whiny-ass little bitch and then coming out because he didn't get his comeuppance. He didn't earn... He didn't get what he, you know... This is to teach him a lesson, I guess. Correct. In humility. Exactly. <laughs> so he has to lose. Okay. Or, I'm, I'm or, just curious. I just don't really... Legitimately, under- going into it, you think, well, Cena's got to win. But if you go with that storyline, like, that's what I'm thinking they're going to do. He's got to lose. I agree. I think he should lose, too. All this complaining or whatever, he should lose and disappear for a while, and then he can do, go do movies or whatever and right. then show up some sometime down the road, and we'll have all forgotten about, you know, this... I just think he looks really bad. Uh, you know, not in a... He's not the hero John Cena, you know. He, he's whiny fucking Hulk Hogan riding his own... He's booking his own matches, basically. Right, he's, right. He, 
He's above the booking. He can just do what he wants. He writes his own script. He puts himself in matches, you know? Like, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, like, didn't say, oh, you know, I wish they had said on SmackDown, well, um, John, yeah, you, you really need to be on, you know, you have to sign this contract. No, he can just book himself in matches, you know? I just, yeah. he needs his comeuppance. I think you're right. Now, what did you think about Elimination Chamber? I did not watch the show. And for the reasons I stated on the last podcast, because... And you were right. Going into it, I knew you were right. I agreed with it. The women's match was good. Yeah, I think Alexa Bliss got more over. I mean, she is... I I loved... She's red hot right now. I loved the promo afterwards. I don't know if you've seen it it or not. She... uh, She's talking about how thankful she is, and she loves all her fans and all that stuff. And then, and then she, she turns it. And yeah. Then she turns, and she's like, "But y'all couldn't accomplish anywhere near the shit I've accomplished." It was great. Didn't much care for uh, for the Oksana match. For the Oscar match Oscar against match, sorry, Nia Jax. Yeah. Well, the reason the reason I didn't care for it is because uh, she beat Nia Jax clean in January. Yeah, I think everyone knows. Just like the Roman Reigns match, I think everyone knows that Asuka is going to square off with Charlotte. Yeah. Because that's the dream match, not Alexa Bliss. And so Nia Jax will probably get Alexa Bliss. So I sort of just know where everything's going. Like, that, that You already knew what the puzzle was going to look like, that pay-per-view where you were just putting the pieces in, if that makes sense. Right, I'm just... Right, You're yeah. setting the ball in motion, because once again, like we said... We now know it's Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie and Triple H. And they couldn't get The Rock. I knew it. I knew it that they wouldn't be able to get him. They might. But no, they took Kurt Angle because that Triple H on Raw, Triple H sucker punched Kurt Angle. So that's, they've given up on The Rock. Okay. Unless, I mean, unless they can get him at the last minute and then just scrap the Kurt Angle thing, but... Uh, it definitely looks like it's going to be a mixed tag. And, I mean, she said at the contract signing that she didn't want the title match, that she yeah. wanted to earn it. So Yeah. And then, the uh, of course, the uh, I did see the uh, Triple H leap into the table. It wasn't quite a uh, good throw. But. Dude, that, she was going for a belly-to-back suplex, I think. But I don't know if that's <laughs> what she... I don't know, man. She a little over ambitious. A little overexcited, yeah. But you know what? That slap from Stephanie looked like it hurt. For, oh my god, it looked like it hurt for, like hell. Well, she's she's been getting a lot of practice with those over the years. So, what's the next SmackDown pay per view? Payback? Any Fastlane? Oh, Fastlane. Sorry, I get all the stupid names confused. But the driving one. <laughs> They're all driving. <laughs> uh, roadblock, Fastlane, Great Balls of Fire. Freeway, I don't know. They're no, yeah, they drop great balls of fire from next year, so no more great balls of fire for you. They'll probably drop uh, Roadblock too. Yeah, I think there was a wrestler named Roadblock. There was. He wrestled in WCW, and he got he wore an actual Roadblock to the ring, like a road clothes sign around his neck, and he was a giant man who got tortured racked by Lex Luger in in that in that little run Luger had to win the title. Yeah. Where Luger just racked every big man they could find, even people that probably weren't pro wrestlers. A fat guy in the crowd, get in there, get racked. <laughs> just anybody to get him over. Yeah, we'll I remember. We'll pay you fifty bucks going there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. One final note: the uh, the rumor mill is starting with uh, contract talks with the WWE and Fox. Fox is uh, apparently interested in acquiring the rights to uh, 
WWE programming, which means Monday Night Raw could be on Big Fox on network TV on Monday nights, which I think would be awesome. Number one, because it would mean the show would be two hours, which I welcome that idea because Fox puts on news at 10 o'clock. But I think this is a negotiation tactic because Fox is also um, the UFC deals about to run up with Fox. So this is all sort of happening around the same time. So honestly, I think you're right. They're going to end up right back on USA and NBC. But could it be that if they sign with WWE... Fox also runs the XFL games. That's true. I haven't thought about that because that would give them... Well, even if they stayed with USA, which is under the Comcast umbrella, uh, XFL could have access to like NBC Sports, you know, yeah. where if they signed with Fox, they'd have FS1. Yeah. So either way, I think that they could probably work that into the ne- the next contract. We're just going to have to see how it goes. Last time... The last time these contract negotiations came around, it was a big bust because uh, NASCAR at the time was still a very hot property. It's not anymore, by the way. No, (laughs) no. In this age of Netflix and uh, on-demand and everything, live sports is still the one thing that commands attention because because you can get online and you'll see spoilers or whatever. It's the one thing that you want to watch live if you're invested in it. So the last time the contracts came up, NASCAR got this huge deal from uh, Fox and like uh, NBC Sports or TNT, I forget the other uh, carrier, Uh, but they got this huge deal. So then Vince goes to the investors and says, well, NASCAR got this, and it was like billions of dollars, and Vince goes to the investors and says, well, if they got that, well, guess what, guys? Cha-ching, cha-ching, we're going to be right there with them. The stock price for the company for WWE shot up like it went up like 15 points like it was it was um, everyone was expecting they're going to get this huge deal. When the ink finally dried on the contract, it turned out they got basically the same deal that they'd had for years. And then yeah. the stock tanked and Vince McMahon went from being a billionaire to not being a billionaire that very same day. So it's very tricky uh these negotiations and how they do it and everything that they leverage and also there's going to be some you know i'm not sure how valuable they're going to be with the addition of the network because you know a broadcaster might say well yeah so we get raw and we put it on the air but then three weeks later it's on the network so how much value is really there you know like so we'll just have to see how it goes also, another big contract negotiation coming up, which is the storyline for WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar's contract. Yeah. How do we get people to like Roman Reigns? Oh, we tell you that Brock Lesnar's probably leaving, even though he's not. And so that's the ploy to get Roman Reigns cheered. They're going to play the old WrestleMania 20 card and say, Brock's probably fucking leaving. So you have to hate him, right? Yeah. So... And I think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant ploy. It works. It worked last time. It'll work this time. And even if maybe, he does it, maybe it'll work. A lot of people fuck. It. A lot of people. A lot of people fucking hate Roman Reigns. Oh, I know. And so it, I don't know if it's going to work as well. But they this were time. smart because okay, on Raw they advertised Brock's going to be here, and then he didn't show up, and then Roman comes out and says. Guess who's not here? He was out having pictures with Dana White. Brock Lesnar. He didn't show up for you. He hates all you. 
Now, the problem they're going to run into is when they let Brock back on TV, which they will. I mean, they have, it's, it'd be stupid not to. Yeah. But when he does show up, even with this great storyline that they built with, you know, leveraging all this, you know, babyface fire to Roman, people are still going to cheer Paul Heyman and people are still going to cheer Brock Lesnar. So they're going to have to kind of keep him off TV if they want to get this reaction that they, that they want. Yeah, because I think going into WrestleMania 20, Brock... Well, Brock was going to be the babyface because he didn't announce that he was leaving until like the week before. So okay. he was going to be cheered way more than Goldberg because Goldberg had let it be known, I'm out of here. Okay. So they were going to piss was thinking, all over Goldberg. I was thinking for some reason he was kept off, the, off, the, uh, off TV for the last month, basically leading into that match. I think they had some inclinations that he was thinking about leaving because they 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 dropped the belt. He dropped the he dropped the belt to Eddie. Right. Um so they had some inclination that he might be leaving, but I didn't think that they took it very seriously until like about the week before he was like, "Guys, I, I really want to give this NFL thing a try." And at that point, that match was just fucked. And we've reviewed it WrestleMania 20. It's our most listened to episode, so if you want to relive uh, the disaster that was Brock and Goldberg won. Uh, Thank you can, God for Steve Stone Austin. Stone Cold, yeah. yeah. Thank God for Steve Austin. He's really, if you ever need somebody to get cheered, if you just want a reaction, if you want to hear applause, if just you, stick him in a match. If you need a match to work. It doesn't even have to work. If you just don't want to hear booze for 20 minutes, put Austin in there. He'll get it cheered. Yeah. Are we going to get Austin? back in the ring one more time never we might he's the one guy well him and Shawn michaels are the two people that have honored their retirements that they have especially austin seems like one of the most happiest guys not to be in both of them both of them seem so much happier to not be in the ring anymore true unlike some wrestlers like daniel bryan who seems like he wants to immediately get back in the ring as soon as possible his contract's up in September, too. So a lot of contracts. Hey, uh, he's gone. You can oh, go I ahead know. and... On SmackDown this week, they actually had him say... I mean, this was scripted as part of the show. He goes up to Shane and he says, Shane, I'm tired. I just want to go home and see my wife and kid. I'd like to leave. And Shane's like, okay. And he leaves. <laughs> and he, Yeah, he's out. He is so checked out. He This is... He is riding out his contract and he is gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I you can mark that down. He is gone after and September. And even if he doesn't step back in the ring, this this role as GM on SmackDown is something he hates. I just he hates. While we all loved it, I think Miz rubbing it in his face really really hit a nerve with I him just, internally. Well, no, I just I hate that they did that and they there's no payoff to it. That's true. That is so true. Why would you start something that you can never pay off? Just like I mean, currently Daniel Bryan's sort of in a you know a semi feud with Shane. That's not going to pay off. We're never going to see a match. Yeah. Or if you see a match, it's going to be you know surrogates. Daniel Bryan picks a wrestler to fight for him. That that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. You know, because if I got a problem with you, and then you're like, oh well, I'll just get Bobby Lashley to fight for me, and I'm like, okay, I'll get Umaga to fight for me. I'd rather just see me and you fight because yeah. we're the ones with the problem. I, the, I wanted to see Vince and Donald Trump go at it. Damn it! Don't forget Bobby Lashley and 
Umaga. On, on, the, on the graphic for that match, they're in the background, and Donald Trump and Vince McMahon are in the foreground. Because yeah. that's the feud, you know? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what you want to see. Exactly. President well, Trump. Sorry, we have to be yeah, respectful. That's right. We have to be Even respectful. though at WrestleMania 20, he suggested that Jesse Ventura should run for president. <laughs> I still think Jesse should run for president. Yeah, Jesse was a... Uh, but Jesse was a Gary Johnson guy in the last election. He That's did true. He did say that he liked Donald Trump and he's good friends with him, but he was like, yeah, I'm a Gary Johnson guy. And he lives in Mexico, Jesse. Get back to the country, pal. Go back to Minnesota, damn it. Minnesota. I can't Minnesota. even I love Jesse Ventura's voice. But it is quite there. quite funny. Very entertaining. It's cool. I, did, I just think he's a cool... I ain't got time to bleed. He was a good actor, too. But he had all those Hogan traits with the... I mean, Hogan stole his gimmick, you know. Yeah, but. Hogan took it from him. Which, Billy I mean, Graham. J- Jesse, Jesse took it from Superstar. Yeah, so Billy I mean. Graham, <laughs> Jesse Ventura, and Hulk Hogan are basically all the same character. It's really And weird. it goes in that timeline. Superstar Billy Graham to Jesse the Body Ventura, then to Hulk Hogan. It literally goes to that timeline. But, I mean, Buddy Rogers. Yeah, Ric Flair. So Ric Flair... I'm getting off top. One last off topic. <laughs> We've been so off topic the whole time. <laughs> it's fine. There are only so many gimmicks that have been done, you know. So it's very easy to find yourself copying someone else, That's even true. even unintentionally. That's you true. know, there are gimmicks that haven't been done that I've always, you know, thought about. Like, you know, there's never been a firefighter. You know, like there's never. <laughs> Let me hose you down. Like, what does he say? Like. <laughs> 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 He would have been a perfect foil for Kane. I don't know, you know, like I don't know, like <laughs> he just I, keeps running up and spraying him with a uh, fire extinguisher. Oh yeah, we fucked up. We missed a big Kane event up in Knoxville. Yeah, Kane and Undertaker in Knoxville. Yeah, the uh, brothers of uh, deregulation up in uh, Knoxville. There, yeah, we uh, we ended up. I, what, what was hilarious? I saw a pic- I saw a picture from the event. Okay, now I get it. Kane is a pro wrestler. And he's known for wearing a mask. But as Glenn Jacobs, to see a political candidate wearing his cane mask, it was just a very funny picture. Yes. Like imagine like Andy Burke walking around with a cane mask on yeah. or whatever. I it's just very This and this marks a public Mark Calloway's. Well <laughs> this marks hint hint a uh a public appear the first public appearance in Knoxville of Kane and Undertaker together since Smoky Mountain Wrestling with the Unabomb taking on The Undertaker. Wow. So, just for wrestling historians out there that wanted to... A little footnote. Yeah, that's that's all. We're going almost 30 years apart to be back together in that town. I was really pissed off uh, that I didn't know about the event sooner because it was not only a campaign event where you could get autographs with the both of them it was only like 50 bucks like oh, we, really? we talked about like the Ric Flair and Hogan thing being 200 yeah. well it was 50 and that was for an autograph with both of them plus you could take a picture of them not a picture with them that was like yeah. 100 um, but then like for a little I think it was like 25 bucks or maybe 50 more there was a they taped the Jericho podcast up there oh really the three of them and you could have gotten access to that so, but the day I saw it was the day it was happening, and when I clicked to go get tickets, because I was like, "No, we're I'll just grab Patrick and we'll go." Cause yeah, Knoxville's an hour and a half away. We right. can make it or whatever. Sold out. Everything was sold out. So. Yeah. And the tickets were cheap because they were they counted as political contributions. So, uh, 
to really? his campaign. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a crazy world we live in. So there you go. Uh, we we hope that candidate Jacobs wins the uh, the election up there. I'm not. I don't know anything about Knox County politics or whatever. He'd be the county mayor, not the city mayor of Knoxville. Um, but I, you know, he's a smart guy. He's he's, he's a always, brilliant man. Yeah, even though he didn't win the weakest link, he got eliminated by Stephanie and Triple H. But that's fine. Uh, you know, the, the odds were stacked against him. The heels teamed up against him. But yeah, if they weren't there, he would have won the. He, uh, he the is. Show. He really is. He's a brilliant man. And uh, insurance salesman. It'd be cool, believe it or not. Think of this. He'd be the mayor of Knox County. Lawler be the mayor of Memphis. Wow. I'd be the mayor of Chattanooga. West, Middle, and East Tennessee, all all under the control of pro wrestlers. You know how cool that would be? That's a scary thought, actually. So you know what? If 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 Glenn Jacobs wins wins this election, I will probably run for mayor of Chattanooga. Well, good luck to you. If you can get some if you can get the Undertaker to come do uh meet and greets. Uh, you, you might have a good chance. Oh, I'm sure I can do that. Well, Patrick, well, you've entered the month of March. It's a very historically significant month for pro wrestling because this marks the end of WCW, World Championship Wrestling. Yes. And really the end of uh, the NWA because if you consider WCW an extension of the NWA, and this it was. was this was uh, the end. A lot of history. A, uh, a potential... At this point in time, until uh, just recently with uh, with Billy Corgan, this was thought to be the death of the NWA. Yeah, would get revived a few years later with uh, TNA, and then uh, once that ended, it was back to obscurity. And uh, really, the wrestling world changed. I mean, just not having two competing companies, not having... Uh, any challenger for uh, Vince and the WWE because uh, ECW had folded around the same time. So there was only one place to go if you wanted to see, uh, you know, mainstream pro wrestling. So I got a question for you. Or I'm just going to throw a little piece of history at you here. As sad as it is to see it go, how ironic is it that the biggest, two biggest names and the biggest rivalry in NWA and WCW history are going to be a part going one-on-one, well, two-on-two, per se, (laughs) against each other in the final pay-per-view. Well, in Jacksonville, a huge territory, the old Florida Florida Championship Wrestling. I mean, uh, Dusty's backyard, basically. This was a... uh, It was a great idea to have them on the card. I wish that they had done things a little differently... Uh, not have the tag match, just have a one-on-one. That would have been awesome match. Yeah. I mean, it didn't. It only needed to be five minutes, but we'll get into it. We're going back to March eighteenth, two thousand and one, at the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum. If you wanted to know how bad things had gotten in WCW, the attendance for this show five thousand and thirty people. Wow. And that, if you look at the arena from this pay-per-view, you can tell it is... They had moved a lot of people to the hard camera. Oh, yeah, and there was tons of blacked-out yeah. parts of this thing. This is... Uh, the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum holds 10,276. So they didn't even get it half full. Nope. Almost. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, half full as the era of Russo and Bischoff was over. 
Uh, Russo had been sent packing in late 2000. Uh, he had taken a head injury in a cage match and had gotten sent home. And the company was up for sale, and this is when Bischoff was trying to buy it with his uh, Fuchsia Media. Uh, they had actually signed a memorandum of understanding and uh, were planning on uh, doing it. Now, for those who don't know what that is, uh, let's explain quickly what that is. That is a an agreement that I intend to purchase this property from you, just haven't made the final pur- purchase yet. Right. It's sort of like when you're purchasing a home, which you'll have the pleasure of doing in a few years, and it will turn your hair gray. You submit an offer, but you don't actually close the deal until later on down the road. There has to be so many stipulations met before you actually close and complete the sale. And so the memorandum of understanding is sort of like uh, in home buying a a letter of intent or, you know, just a... A premature agreement. It's not the final, final agreement. So Bischoff, who had left the company, uh, bashed the Beach 2000, left with Hogan, uh, but still saw some value in this company despite not being affiliated with it, um, still wanted to save it. And it wasn't until uh, Turner executives, AOL Time Warner executives, which Time Warner in 2018 is uh, currently uh, about to be purchased by AT&T. So, really? In an odd twist, uh, the the company that put WCW out of business is about to be out of business itself or under new ownership. What made the deal fall through is that uh, an executive from Turner said, yeah, you can have the company, but we are going to take away your TV time. Uh, Thunder was already going to be canceled, but uh, Bischoff knew that without Nitro, without that time slot, there was no value it, to the It company. wasn't going to work. You couldn't pick it up and take it to... Well, especially for the price that they were willing to pay. Yeah, you couldn't have picked it up and took it to like an ESPN or something like that. It it just wasn't going to work. Well, and the problem you had, too, is that all of these performers have guaranteed contracts with AOL Time Warner. So they're not coming with you. Right. So I'm taking half my roster with no TV deal, and I'm going to try and shop that around of this brand that, quite frankly, has been faltering for the past three years, and I'm going to pay $30 million for it. Right. You're never going to make your money back. No. Now, AOL Time Warner is kind of stupid to refuse the deal and and cancel the TV time because had they just said, okay, we'll give you a year or two years, Fuchsia Media would have paid them the $30 million or whatever the figure was. But instead, they said no TV time, and they sold you know select assets of it to Vince for like $2 million. Yeah. So they screwed themselves out of twenty-seven to right twenty-eight million dollars. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but there's a book out that actually. Follows. Yeah, the death of WCW is uh, it, Brian Alvarez okay. talks about if it. I I have it in my in my uh, my bookcase at home. It is it walks through and basically what he was told over the phone, Eric Bischoff was, we don't want we don't want anything to do with pro, pro wrestling. Yeah. Which is funny because uh, the one episode of Retro Wrestling Podcast you, you didn't do with me, the, the final Nitro, they actually, in the corner of the screen, they promote the show that's going to replace Nitro. It was canceled within a year. Yeah. And it was just a TV drama. But the thing is about TNT and TBS, all the, the Turner networks that aren't CNN, which is you know just a news network or headline news, news network, they, they have one focus. 
but TBS and TNT never had a focus. Right. You know, it's just like USA. It's like reruns of just random stuff, movies here and there. So I don't really understand taking wrestling off there. They had no plan to like, you know, like Spike TV was aimed at males or whatever. You know, they had a game plan. Like we want to attract a certain demo. But TNT never had a plan, so I don't understand why they wanted wrestling off of it so bad. The thing is, too, when they were losing all that money, that was AOL Time Warner's money that they were losing. Right. Now, when you are when you sell it to Fusion Media, now they're losing Bischoff's money. Right. So that's why I think that they should have went ahead and taken a chance on it, just rolled the dice. Give them a year. Tell them, yeah, after, and if, go if, ahead and tell them right then, after that year, I'm not going to re-sign you, but that gives you time to get your feet up under you r- taking over. I'll take your $30 million and that I'll... You can s- figure it out. You can Have get, a go at it. Yeah. Because now, but, because that takes them off the books. Because then, now, AOL Time Warner, other than the guaranteed contracts they have to pay out, their hands are clean. Right. And they're getting programming provided to them at no cost you know right so i just thought it was kind of stupid what they ended up doing i mean aol time warner had a lot of problems you know it wasn't it didn't just start and end with wrestling i mean the number one internet provider in this country to now being basically non-existent because they didn't see high-speed internet they didn't see that coming they didn't get ahead of the they didn't see the next big thing right because had they done that had they had better management in general We'd be using AOL Internet right now, but we're right. not. We're using EPB or whatever yeah. Internet you use because AOL dropped the fucking ball. They didn't, right. see, they didn't see what was coming. With Time Warner, with this massive conglomerate, these two powers, you know, in the late 90s, having all this money and all this tech and all this advantage, they lost. You know, it's yeah. crazy to think that they lost... The, the war on, you know, high-speed internet when they had the advantage going in. This is the last WCW pay-per-view. The tagline is, it's all or nothing, baby. And it was, it really was all or nothing. WCW Greed featuring this weird logo, which is some kind of odd hybrid between that star logo and... I didn't notice it. Pull it up for me, because I am quite curious. It's, it's right here. It's... The type, it's just got a weird typeface and the star and uh, yeah. They wrote WCW on the WCW logo. Right. They should have never changed the logo to begin with. I'm not saying the old one. We've talked about the logo before. I'm not saying the old one was like timeless, but it looks way better than the star logo right. ever looked. The main feud heading into Greed was between Scott Steiner and Diamond Dallas Page over the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. At Super Brawler Revenge, Steiner defeated babyface Kevin Nash in a retirement match to retain the world championship, and Nash retired. On the episode of Nitro that followed, the members of the Magnificent Seven, which is all the heels, uh, led by Flair and Buff Bagwell and Jarrett and... Jarrett, Buff, Flair, um, Road Warrior Animal, Lex... Rick Steiner. Rick Scott Steiner. And they were also associated with Canyon, Chavo, Mike Sanders from uh, the power plant, the head freak Madeja, of course, and Team Canada. So in the year 2000, it was New Blood Millionaires Club. This is sort of the new Millionaires Club, basically. Yes. So on Nitro, they had a memorial service for Nash and his career. 
And uh, Steiner, <laughs> only WCW. <laughs> this is not the first time they did this. I recently watched an episode from 2000 when they had a memorial service for Ric Flair's career. So we got to think about it. Kane had a memorial service for Undertaker's career when he got buried alive right. at that pay-per-view. So, you know, it's a wrestling thing. You just have to overlook it. So at the memorial service, Steiner says, well, I beat all these people, Sting, Goldberg, everybody. So then Canyon, for whatever reason, pops out of the casket dressed as DDP. And Canyon had defeated Paige at Super Brawl Revenge. But then the real DDP showed up, interrupted Scott Steiner, and said, I accept your match, which I don't know that was challenged. I'll see you at Greed, buddy. And you're putting the title on the line. And uh, later that night on Nitro, DDP defeated Canyon, ending their feud, as Canyon was, of course, positively Canyon. He had stolen uh, DDP's gimmick, basically. Yes. More gimmick infringement. WCW is big in gimmick infringement in 2000, 2001. You had Sean Stasiak, still Mr. Perfect gimmick. Uh, you had Chuck Palumbo, still Lex Luger's gimmick. And you had uh, Canyon steal DDP's gimmick. So It's pretty bad when they're actually still in their own character's gimmicks. While they're in the company. While they're in the company, yeah. yeah. All right, so I got a quick re- question for you. Did we ever find out who was doing the attacks uh, from behind? Or did that was that something that just didn't follow through with the company being sold? Lex got attacked the week before, and then Buff got attacked tonight. And oh, right, yeah. Did we ever find out who was doing it? I think that... Unless they settled it on that Nitro, that's one of those things that'll just... It just left. Yeah, I think it was one of those that was just kind of left out there. It's like when uh, Booker T got the I Know What You Did Last Summer note, and there was just never any follow-up on that. Okay. That's what I was thinking, but... Because as much history in wrestling as I know, that is one thing I don't know. So I was figured... So the show starts. We get a promo about the main event. DDP says, I'm still standing. And Scott Steiner is no mental giant. As I think we all knew. <laughs> DDP, you didn't need to tell us that. DDP says, I got two words for you. Diamond cutter. And tonight, Steiner is getting banged. Ew. We start with a bonus match. Now, this match, when I saw Wee coming out, I got really nervous. But then I was blown away as my match of the night. The dude that impressed me the most, honestly. Holy shit. Jason fucking Jet. Known from ECW as Easy Money. He's actually the last person that was ever signed by WCW. Really? Jason Jett tonight blew me away. I was so shocked because coming out, look, he doesn't have a very good look. No. Yeah, Kiwi has a terrible look, but Jason Jett, not much better. He looks like an indie wrestler straight out. If you said, bring in an indie wrestler, just any generic indie wrestler. He looks like, yeah. He's got the, the, the bad sideburns, the bad ponytail, and his tights. His atrocious tights. So he's got the Speedo, and he's got his inner thighs cut out. and His, his outer thighs cut out. Yes. So he's got sort of the Ed Leslie thing going on, but not as neatly cut. It's Correct. It's like he couldn't decide between a Speedo and pants, so he said, I'll just try to do both at the same time. Correct. But... He would very much impress me tonight. Jason Jett, you're the man on uh, WCW Greed. I said both of these guys could really use a makeover, especially Kiwi. His hair, as the match would progress. I really, now you talk about Ed Leslie. I wanted to shave his head <laughs> so bad. It bugged me. I was I was distracted by his hair more than I was the actual match. Kiwi jumps Jett and they exchange some stiff punches on the outside of the ring. 
Jet does a somersault into a standing sidekick that looked great. Then they climb in the ring and he hits a plancha. And I was just amazed at how quick this guy was moving, Jason Jet. He brings Kiwi back into the ring and hits a guillotine leg drop. Jet locks in a pendulum surfboard, which looked awesome. I've never Yeah, it's badass. It I, it really looks cool. Kiwi then throws Jet out of the ring and misses the world's worst suicide dive. This guy, <laughs> Kiwi, don't don't do this move, buddy. Uh number one, he didn't get near the kind of speed you need to build up your suicide dive. And then he kind of came out sideways and about two feet from the apron, so he was nowhere near hitting uh, Mr. Jason Jet easy money. Jason Jet then runs at Kiwi, who's against the apron, and this is the move that I really liked. He hits a 180 springboard off the ropes into a DDT onto Kiwi, who was up against the apron. It was pretty badass. I've never seen it done again. Or before. This yeah. was an awesome move. It was pretty cool. They get back in the ring. He hits a clothesline and then a standing moonsault. Kiwi launches Jet out of the ring again and chokes him with camera cables as Nick Patrick just says, Yeah, that's fine. You can just choke him with those. That's fine. Jason Jet bumps like a boss when Kiwi throws him into some chairs. I mean, this guy was... It, it just felt like an audition match for this guy. Jet even gets thrown into David Penzer. A rare David Penzer bump is taken in this opening match. Kiwi then hits the Thez press and punches for a two-count. Stone Cold Steve Austin was somewhere shaking his head in disgust. That Thez press was pretty bad, though. Kiwi sucks chance breakout. He probably does. His hair, very distracting at this point, as it gets more voluminous, but it gets thinner. Where yeah. does his hair go? He turns, he gets balder, and his hair gets bigger at the same time. It's, it's it, almost like he puts cotton candy in it or some <laughs> shit, yeah. and it just falls out as he's going along, or as he's sweating in it or something. There's an old David Lynch movie called Eraserhead. That's what his hair looks like. It looks like he stuck his finger in an electric socket, and Kiwi. Uh, he, he, he could have been something without that haircut, maybe. Kiwi goes for a superplex, but Jet instead tries a super power bomb, and this is when he almost killed Kiwi because, thank God, Kiwi had the uh, knowledge to save it at the very last minute and turn it into a Hurricane Rana attempt because he was about to get dropped directly on his neck. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was very, very ugly. So not everything is all roses for Mr. Jason Jet. Kiwi tries a pile driver, but Jet low blows him. In clear view of Nick Patrick, no big deal. You can just kick people in the dick here. Jet hits a springboard back elbow, kips up, and then tries the crash landing. But Kiwi gets out. Kiwi hits a northern light suplex, but Jason kicks it too. Jason, Jet, and Kiwi fuck up some sort of spot in the corner, and Jet knocks his head on Kiwi's back. Yeah, that looked pretty bad. Then Jet decides to do Eddie Guerrero's spot and play possum in the ring as Kiwi recovers on the outside. Kiwi turns around, sees him. Oh, he's down. Why is he down? I don't know. I'll go in and uh, cover him. So he goes in, tries an elbow drop off the top turnbuckle, but Jet moves out of the way. Jason Jet hits the crash landing and wins the match, the crash landing being... A very unique finisher. It's like a vertical suplex where then Jet just releases the guy and he spins around in the air and lands like he took a power bomb. It was yeah. Uh, it's a it's a release vertical suplex basically. But he instead of releasing as he's falling backwards, he just releases as he's going up basically. So it 
It's 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 an early release. It's really interesting and very cool. I haven't seen it done. Yeah, Jason Jet, like I said, that that move that he did, that weird DDT he did on the apron, and then yeah. this move, like this guy was showing me stuff that very dangerous, probably not allowed in the WWE today. But I really enjoyed his work here. He gets the pin, and uh, Jason Jet, easy money from ECW, uh, goes over. Does this- he still? Does he still wrestle? I'm curious now. Uh, he he retired in 2003 and didn't come back until 2007. Uh, but he's wrestled like EC3, and uh, he wrestles at high schools in uh, Tennessee. So really, you where, might have a chance. Where's he to, from? He is from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Yeah, Easy Money, the final WCW signee, and uh, Eric Bischoff's vision for the rebooted WCW was to use more cruiserweights, and this guy would have definitely fit in. Uh, I think he could have been a huge star. He would have needed to work on his look. Yeah. And I didn't hear him. I mean, I didn't hear a promo from him, so I didn't know if he could talk, but I thought he looked awesome here. I thought this was a, a really great opening match, even though it was not promoted. There was no heat behind it. There's no feud, but... These guys went out there and, and bust their ass. So, yeah. Even Kiwi, who uh, I was not as impressed by Mr. Kiwi, but uh, he, he did okay. I wish I could give this match as high a praise as you're giving. I really, aside from those two moves, I thought it kind of was pretty shitty. I didn't enjoy it. I'm really shocked, man. I liked it. I thought this was like, man. I, uh... I was getting excited and excited, but also, like I said, I was extremely distracted by Queeley's hair, <laughs> so I couldn't legitimately watch it clearly because I kept watching his hair just flop in different directions. It, it also was, didn't help that he had a deep, dark, tropical tan, and so it made it even... Yeah. It was the darkest man with I, this bright, blonde... I mean, Queeley's hair is... Uh, it could go in the Hall of Fame, I think, but not Queeley. So I'm going to have to go back and try to rewatch it yet again and without... It makes me want to go watch more uh, focusing. Jason Jett from ECW. I, I was unaware of this guy. This is, I didn't know anything about him either. So He needs some new t- fucking tights, though. Kiwi needs some new hair and Jason Jett needs some new tights. That's what we really took away from this match yes. uh, in general. But my guy, one of my guys, one of my underrated guys is in our next match, so... A promo recaps the Cruiserweight Tag Title Tournament, a prestigious belt that would be vacated in um, about eight days. It's Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo, Kid Steroid, taking on Billy Kidman and Devil-Horned Rey Mysterio. Elix Skipper is one of, I mean, he is right up there with Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, very underrated. He should he should have already had a run in WWE. And why, I don't know. Well, Elix Skipper has probably the, the top highlight from TNA history of that cage walk. I mean, yeah. that's... Uh, of, like, the three TNA highlights I can think of, it's the one that comes to mind first. I don't know... You know, there's been similar things done on cages, but for some reason, just him doing... Not that distance, though, man. That was a long way. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I think what held him back is just his overall look. Uh, he just doesn't look uh, like a superstar in the face. He has a great body. Uh, he's uh, he's very talented for a cruiserweight. Um, but, and also... I like his mic skills, too, personally. I haven't heard a lot of promos from him, but I kind of understand why he didn't get a run in the WWE, and that's just because their lack of respect for cruiserweights. I mean, they just... Yeah. I mean, when he would have been in his prime to come in there, 
they're just even if he even if he showed up, just like I say about AJ Styles, even if he showed up in his prime, they would have just fucked it up. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what happened with the Elix Skipper here. Now Kid Romeo, on the other hand, he sucked. A promo recaps the cruiserweight tag title tournament. A lot of great teams in this one, including the uh, Young Dragons, and we had uh, the the leftovers from Three Count. All the cruiserweight tag teams were in this tournament. Skipper and Romeo will take on Kidman and Devil Horned Rey Mysterio in the finals. And these cruiserweight tag team title belts are some of the ugliest belts I've ever They're seen in hideous. my life. They're pretty hideous. They're just about as bad as the Devil Horns that Rey Mysterio wore. <laughs> Well, and his Mankind mask that he was rocking tonight when he walked out to the ring. What was was, up with that? I don't know. That was pretty... It was a throwback, I guess, for me to uh, Mustafa. If you remember the gangsters, right when they first started, Mustafa used to come to the ring wearing some kind of a weird mask like that that covered nothing but his nose. Kind of remind me of something like that, but I don't know. It reminded me of like a sex toy mask, like a (laughs) weird leather chain and whip kind of mask. But anyway... Ray doesn't wrestle in it, of course. He takes it off, which I think is so stupid. When when, when wrestlers wear a mask to the ring and then take it off and wrestle, why wear it to the ring to begin with? What kills me is, you remember when Kane came back and he had that like black welder's mask? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Why don't wrestle in that shit? That was cool. And that would have been really hard to wrestle he in. Pulled, but he pulled that off to... I was like, no, dude, where the... That was badass. Tony Schiavone lies to us all and says that Ray is better without his mask. What a fucking liar, Tony <laughs> Schiavone. This, this guy will just say anything. Kidman hits a flying head scissors on Romeo. Romeo flings Kidman directly on his face and then tags Skipper in. A hurricane round at a Skipper followed by a drop kick. Then Ray tags in and hits a springboard leg drop to Elix Skipper. Skipper gets tossed out by Ray and Kidman hits a baseball slide on him. Then the teams brawl on the ramp. Skipper is thrown off the ramp into Romeo, who's also off the ramp. Then Kidman and Ray dive off the stage onto Skipper and Romeo. Kidman's landing not as good as Ray's. Ray and Kidman then lift Skipper up for a double-team Razor's Edge when they get back into the ring. Kidman fights out of a Romeo sleeper hold, but Romeo hits him with an inverted vertical suplex, which only gets a two-count. Romeo and Skipper get the heat on Kidman for... Ages while Ray w- awaits his hot tag. Kidman hits a top turnbuckle sit out powerbomb on Skipper, but he can't cover him. Oh, it hurts too bad. Ray finally gets the hot tag, runs wild on the heels, hits a float over DDT to Romeo. Skipper throws himself shoulder first into the post and he's taken out. Then Ray dives on Romeo from the turnbuckle and suicide dives onto Skipper in a very cool sequence. Romeo hits a springboard planche at Ray. Then Kidman hits the Kidman Kazi, a shooting star press to everybody on the outside of the ring, which looked fantastic. Skipper crotches Ray on the turnbuckle, but then Ray hits a sunset flip powerbomb to Skipper. And Romeo breaks the count at two. Skipper hits the hangman's noose on Ray, but Kidman breaks the count. We get a reverse suplex from Kidman to Romeo for two, but then Skipper saves the day. The heels now have Ray all by themselves. Skipper hits a German suplex. Romeo hits a leg drop off the turnbuckle, but Kidman breaks the three count. Kidman hits the acid drop, a nod to Spike Dudley on Kid Romeo. Then Ray power bombs Romeo, and Kidman splashes him for two before Elix Skipper breaks it up. Ray hits the poetry in motion off of Kidman's back to Elix Skipper. 
stealing a Hardy Boys move, and then Ray steals X-Pac's move as he hits the Bronco Buster to Elix Skipper. Then they decide to steal the Dudley Boys move and they go for the what's up? But Ray instead decides to hit Romeo with a seated senton instead of the head to the crotch of Skipper. Ray tries a springboard moonsault onto Romeo, but Romeo catches them in midair, hits a nasty-looking scoop brain buster called the Romeo Relaxer, and Romeo and Elix Skipper get the three count and are the new cruiserweight tag team champions, a reign that they would have for eight days before the belts would be retired uh, to Rey Mysterio and Kidman's mantles, where they remain to this day. So a very intense cruiserweight tag team title match. Uh, belts that were invented for no reason. You could have just had this match with with uh, the belts didn't really add. So who who much. has these now? Uh, Kidman and Mysterio still own these belts to this day. They they got to keep them. They didn't win. Uh, they won them on the final Nitro. Oh okay, gotcha. So Skipper and Romeo's reign would only last for eight days. I was not aware of that. Okay. Yeah, so we had a, this title was only <laughs> active for eight days and had a title change in it. That's. Pro wrestling. Yeah. Only in pro wrestling can yeah. something like that happen. And so they ended up getting to keep them. They did. They get the, That's pretty the cool. WWE did not bring them over. And uh I figured WWE would would have said though that's our property now and they're pretty big about that kind of stuff, so that's yeah, why they I'm, want those belts by God. As ugly as those belts are, they probably said you can just keep them. Yeah. <laughs> They are pretty hideous. I like this match a lot. Uh, there was some sloppy moments. Uh, Kid Romeo, not up to snuff. Not with the other three competitors in this match. Especially when, I mean, this dude is jacked. He yeah. is a very big cruiserweight, in quotation marks. But he's too small to be a, a heavyweight, you know, yeah. size-wise. But I feel like uh, Elit Skipper did most of the uh, the work for that team, believe it or not. Oh, definitely. And uh, Kidman did most of the work for his team. Ray Ray yeah. got the big spots in, but uh, Kidman, a workhorse, and would be a big star in WWE until Ray came in and everyone forgot about Billy Kidman. Yeah. Kidman got a job backstage, so congrats. So still working as a road agent to this day. Skipper and Romeo, for their big celebration, they dance. Just like, you know. Well, yeah, that's what you and I do. Yeah, when we're happy, we just have a dance party. Yeah. We go backstage with Buff Bagwell, who breaks into the locker room of Ric Flair, who's chilling with Jeff Jarrett and Road Warrior Animal. He's got his handy cam. This is like uh, currently in WWE, they're doing all these selfie promos they shoot on their phone. This is the early days of that with the uh, Buff Bagwell handy the cam. The camcorder, yeah, yeah. Flair goes over the card. He is the CEO, in quotation marks, of WCW, so he is responsible for this entire show. So thanks, I guess. Uh, he says, all the heels are going to win tonight, so no need to watch. Flair just told us who's going to win. He booked the whole card, so I guess that's it. We can turn this thing off. Road Warrior Animal now looks ridiculous in his face paint and street clothes. Have you ever thought about how stupid that looks? Well, I mean, you know, when I go out, I wear my referee stripes all the time. But that's underneath your regular street clothes. You don't have face paint on. I could paint my face. Striped. Yeah, I could. It kind of looked like the great Muda if you did that. He was big into black and white. I could do that. I just think if if you're going to be in street clothes, don't wear the face paint. Or be in tights and have the face paint. Just figure it out, Road Warrior Animal. By the way, 
I never liked Road Warrior Animal by himself. It just felt weird. Really? I mean, he's fine, but it's just like you're missing something. You know, like it, you can't have one without the other. Right. Road Warrior Animal needs Hawk. You know, if I saw Demolition, you know, crush, I'd be like, "Where's Axe or Smash?" You know, where I, you look kind of out of place here. You right. Know? He was brought in on that infamous pay per view where uh, Sid broke his leg. And had to run in and then kick a man with a broken leg for a big run-in. That was Road Warrior Animal's contribution. He's also out of place in the year 2001 uh, in WCW. Just, it's weird. These guys call themselves the Elite. So uh, Bullet Club, I guess we're taking notes here because uh, that's what the Bullet Club called themselves, the Elite. So the original Elite was the uh, Magnificent Seven here. Well, you know how good those opening matches were? It's time to uh, take a break from good matches as the next match features Bam Bam Bigelow, who tried to kill Stacy Keebler's baby on Thunder. <laughs> a young Gene Snitsky took notes. <laughs> Stacy Keebler is out with Sean Stasiak. They're now known as the Sean and Stacy Show. She introduces the mecca of manhood, Sean Stasiak, a.k.a. Meat. He's no longer impersonating Mr. Perfect. He's just Sean Stasiak. He's not Planet Stasiak. He's just... He's not the perfect one, Sean Stasiak. He's the mecca of manhood. Yeah. Dr. Sean Stasiak cuts a generic promo where he reads off the teleprompter in front of the crowd, which looked terribly. He's got the gimmick of throwing 8x10s of himself to fat people in the crowd. So that they can see what a real man looks like. So it's sort of a it's, shitty Rick Rude. It, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a really, you know, bad rip off of Rick Rude. But what the what it actually reminds me of uh, the video game Mortal Kombat. Johnny Cage. Uh, one of his fatalities was after he kills you, uh, he signs an eight by ten and throws it at your dead body. Oh, so that's this, awesome. This is actually a rip off of Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. So it's uh, awesome. And then. Out comes poor Bam Bam Bigelow, looking terrible. Guy's got to eat, though, and I guess he wanted to eat a lot. Uh, He needs a paycheck. He's in terrible shape here. I feel so sorry for him. But you got to do what you got to do. All I say about this match is this is a terrible match. Oh, it's horrible. And I just am shocked that it went on as long as it did. Somehow they got five minutes and 55 seconds out of this match in which no moves were basically performed, just strikes. Bigelow hits a flying headbutt, calls for greetings from Asbury Park, but gets distracted by Stacy, as I would, because Stacy is the most beautiful woman to ever work in pro wrestling. That's a fact, Jack. Stacy tosses some hairspray in Bigelow's face. It was tangled up in her hair. In her bun, so you couldn't see it. Stacy tosses the hairspray to Stasiak, who sprays Bigelow in the eyes. Sean hits the hangman's noose, a move we saw in the last match, and Sean Stasiak gets the win. Whatever. A waste of time. And you would think, well, this is the end of the feud. No, final Nitro. These guys have a match in which the loser, if Sean lost the match on the final Nitro, Bam Bam Bigelow was going to tattoo him in the middle of the ring. A stipulation in which I really wish that Bam Bam had won just so I could have seen this happen, but Sean wins on Nitro, and that's the end of that. And it's the end of Bam Bam Bigelow on a uh, major wrestling promotion. It's a sad end uh, to a, a... A legend 
a guy I think was very underrated. Yeah. Uh, came should, along in the wrong era. Should be in the Hall of Fame. I Well, I, this year, he's going. If the rumors are true, he's going this year, so good for him. And a man with a very unique look, a tattoo on the on a bald head. Yeah. Got the most out of that WrestleMania match with LT. I mean, worked oh, his ass man. off in that match. You want to see how great Bam Bam Bigelow can be. He took a guy with no wrestling talent whatsoever who had been trained on basically a week to two weeks prior and got, what would you say, a 20, 25-minute match out of him? And made it as good as he could. I mean, it literally showed his talents to the highest degree possible. Yeah, and we've reviewed that one, so you can go back and listen to how much praise we heap on uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Stacy is supposedly supposed to be the girlfriend of Sean Stasiak, but she refuses to let him kiss her on the lips, so he kisses her on the chin. It's very funny to go back and watch. Well, she lays one on him afterwards, though. On the chin as well. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Good acting by Stacy Keebler. The cat, Ernest Miller, is backstage with Miss Jones, and he says, hey, Miss Jones, stay away. Kid Romeo and Elix Skipper put on their belts like a couple of dorks. I don't know why this was on the pay-per-view. Like They're all excited. They're the first. They're nerds is what they are. Up next, we get a promo for Team Canada, who's been feuding with The Laughing Man, Hugh Morris, and Conan. Lance Storm and Mike Awesome come out as Team Canada. If I can be serious for a minute. He cuts the generic anti-American promo and wants to sing the Canadian anthem... WCW, though, can't find the CD with it on it, so it doesn't play. This pisses off Lance Storm. He says, play the damn anthem. Hugh Morris's shitty theme song plays, and we don't get a Canadian national anthem. Suddenly. None. Hugh Morris comes in, no-sells chops from Storm, and power slams him. Mike Awesome big boots him and lands a leg drop for a two-count. Awesome splashes Hugh Morris, and the heels double-team Morris with a clothesline. All of a sudden, the music hits. Here comes Conan. Yeah, Conan's a little late to the party. He he literally got a, hey, what's up, out of his music, and they killed it because he ran to the ring. Conan must have been just not watching the show backstage and forgot that it was time to go to work. Conan comes in, gets a hot tag, runs wild on Team Canada until Awesome cuts him off with a clothesline. The heels then double-team Conan while Mickey J is distracted with Hugh Morris. Hugh Morris keeps complaining, and Mickey J uh, keeps turning his back to the heels, which is always a good strategy for a ref. Team Canada keep Conan away from Morris for a very long time. A USA chant breaks out for Mexican Conan. Okay. Awesome then hits a top turnbuckle forearm to Conan for a two-count. Conan drops... Too quick for a Landstorm dropkick, and it looked like shit. Conan gets the visionary tag to Hugh Morris, but Mickey J missed it, so get back to your corner, asshole. Awesome pile drives Conan, but Morris breaks up the count. Storm tries a top rope leg drop, but Conan gets a leg up to big boot him. Morris finally gets that hot tag he's been after. He splashes Mike Awesome, but gets super kicked by Storm. Awesome then hits a giant top turnbuckle splash, but Conan breaks up the count. Hugh Morris does a release German suplex to Mike Awesome. Yes, it happened. And then goes for the no laughing matter, which is his moonsault, but Storm stops him. Awesome then wakes up, hits a running awesome bomb on Hugh Morris, which looked awesome, and gets the win for an otherwise very disappointing match where uh, Conan 
didn't do shit, and Hugh yeah. Morris waited for the tag the whole time. There were lots of headlocks from Conan. Conan just didn't seem like he wanted to work tonight. I no. guess I guess he pretty much knew the company was going out of business in a couple of weeks, and fuck it. I don't want to work. We never saw Conan really active in a WWE ring or anything like that. This was his last hurrah of a... No, it turned into the manager for LAX, and a great manager, a great yeah. mouthpiece, uh, yeah. but his in-ring career was coming to an end, and if it, based on what I saw tonight, I guess he knew it, too, because right. he was not putting in the effort, and... Storm and uh, Hugh Morris and Awesome went on to WWE, but Awesome was very quickly let go. Uh, Storm, however, had a good run. And, oh, Dancing Land Storm, of course. And Hugh yes. Morris, great run backstage. I had a long career in NXT before he was yeah. fired for hazing the wrestlers. Uh, and not good. Uh, but And honestly, I think Hugh Morris is pretty good for a big man, but he's yeah. not... A great big man. I wouldn't say that he's on like Vader's level. As I, I wouldn't. That's the thing is I wouldn't put him even on Bam Bam's level. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, I, I think we talked about underrated wrestlers over. I think Hugh Morris is a bit overrated. Um, yeah, just a bit. I mean, it's not like he was ever a main eventer, so it's it's not like he ever got like this huge push. I mean. He had been suffering in the misfits in action for the past years. Huge erections. I'm, so. I'm, I'm so glad that they cut that and they didn't end the legendary WCW run with, with that in their <laughs> on their last episode because that would have been bad. So, yeah, this match, very disappointing considering who was involved. Uh, we go back to the Rhodes dressing room where Dustin is talking to Dusty. And he's saying, Dusty, uh, you haven't been training much, buddy. I'm kind of worried about you, Pops. What are you doing to train? Dusty says, give me just a minute. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Dusty ordered 240 burritos. And that's how he's going to train so Flair can smell his ass. Because this is a kiss my ass match yes. tonight. Between yes. the uh, the tag teams of Dustin and Dusty taking on Ric Flair and his adopted son Jeff Jarrett as I guess David Flair the experiment of David Flair being a wrestler was over or else this would be his spot because right. it would make sense father and son versus father and son but yeah. no instead we'll just give you the next best thing Jeff Jarrett so uh, a kiss my ass match a little uh, inspiration from WWF coming in here uh, but we'll see how this goes uh Hopefully Dusty can make it through 240 burritos in the next 30 minutes. I think he can do it. Uh, Buff is now backstage again with his handy cam. This time he's with Rick Steiner, the dog-faced gremlin. He says, uh, hey, Rick, uh, what are you going to do to Booker T? And uh, Rick Steiner's great response, uh, I'm going to punch him. Then Buff says, uh, yeah, what about Scott tonight and uh, Madeja? And then Rick just mumbles and i don't know what he said and i can include the clip here and you can try to explain to me what he said but he just mumbles and buff is like ha yeah yeah sounds great two questions dog face number one please he's such a loser you're getting paid sit there and shut up two questions yeah what are you going to do to booker t tonight everybody wants to know especially me tell the documentary tell the camera tell him thinks this match is going to take a long time but you know i'm gonna thump his butt quicker than i show him how long you want i want how long you want me to go a minute i'm gonna throw it with him Boom. I love it. Yeah, I like that, baby. Not that, that, that hard. <laughs> Second question, more serious. I got to ask you because 
serious. Everybody question. wants to know, it's because it's serious. What is up with Scotty? He thinks this Medeja thing's got to his head, man. He thinks it's you, he thinks it's me. He's blaming everybody. It's a woman thing, right? Yeah, what's going Blame on? Blame all the guys, believe the, you know what. But what's the deal? I is he gonna chill out? I think Susie finds out who's messing around with everything back to normal. Right. You know? I think so too. So. We're the elite group, brother. We gotta sit together. Come yeah, on. Seven, brother. All right, documentary of the lifetime. Right. Stay hey. tuned, but I gotta get ready. Hey, next time, give us a damn woman, man. You got it. Something I will. Nice, you know, something good to look get at. Get out of here. Take five, I said. Ah. And that is our uh, Rick Steiner promo. Then we cut to O'Hare and Palumbo. More power plant guys. They say they're strong and they're gonna survive for the tag team titles, and that totally buffed will have to kill them to get the belts. So we might witness a murder tonight for the tag team titles. Coming out of who, who... Tonight the games are over. We need to find out who the toughest tag team is. We need to find out who deserves to hold these tag team titles. You know, sometimes people say that only the strong survive. Well, I believe you're looking at the two survivors right here. You know, Chuck and I would die defending the tag team championship belts. And that's exactly what Lex and Buff are gonna have to do to us tonight, is kill us to get those belts. Well, if they can do it, more power to them. But if we're still breathing, we're still the champions. Said that? It's a little... Creepy, yeah. yeah. Hearing Sean O'Hare saying that they're willing to die for Well, and him. Chuck Palumbo, too. Uh, Chuck Palumbo's alive. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yeah, he's alive. He's on a reality show. He runs a garage. Palumbo currently resides in El Cajon, California. He's a daughter named Charlie, who's an aspiring DJ. In January 2016, he saved a woman from a car accident by lifting the car and lifting the woman out of the car. I remember that from TMZ just a couple years ago. Yeah. Okay. This dude's a hero. The information I heard was wrong. Sadly, Sean O'Hare is no longer. WCW and its final pay-per-view. You think they could get everything right? Well, no. They incorrectly super... That the next match is the Cruiserweight Tag Title Match, but it's actually just the Cruiserweight Title Match. Sugar Shane Helms is out to the Vertebreaker theme that is dubbed over on the network. Shame on you. I love Vertebreaker. He's got the dancing girls with him, the Sugar Babies, as he is getting a big push here. He's the challenger to champion Chavo Guerrero Jr., who comes out to a dubbed over theme as well. They used Eddie's old theme, which was some guitar riffs. It was a really odd choice. Chavo's the champion. I've always felt bad for Chavo because he's had to live in the shadow of his family. Of a much more talented family. I hate to say it. Chavo's a talented guy, but come on. See, I think I would use a gimmick name if I know that I'm going to be... Especially if I'm in the same company as the person. When Chavo and Eddie were in the same company. Because I'm always going to be in his shadow. Chavo is the cruiserweight champion... Chavo locks on a headlock to start the match, and this would be his strategy. Boy, what a hot way to start off a cruiserweight match with headlocks. They have a nice sequence of head scissors, reversals, and kip-ups. Oh, you've got the best of me. Oh, no, you've got the best of me. Shane hits a nice gut-wrench suplex and then a top-rope forearm for a two-count. Shane tries the nightmare on Helm Street, but Chavo counters with an Olympic slam for a two-count. Chavo locks in an ugly STF. It's the worst-looking STF I've seen since John Cena's. In fact, John Cena's looks better than Chavo's STF. He then works a rear chin lock and an ankle lock. We get a back suplex from Chavo to Sugar Shane. Then Shane messes up a bridge sequence and powerbomb attempt 
and Chavo DDTs him stiffly for his fuck-up. Chavo knocks Shane out of the ring and tries a big plancha and takes Shane out. Shane hits a shitty-looking go-to-sleep type move on Chavo where he kind of he goes from a fireman's carry to a knee, but his knee's like on the ground. It's it's like a GTS if you're really tired. And then he hits a neck breaker that leaves both men down. Shane hits the sugar smack kick to Chavo that knocks him out of the ring, a move named after a cereal. He brings him in, tries another, but misses. Chavo hits the curtain call on Shane for a two count. Then Shane blocks a tornado DDT. Shane hits the nightmare on Helm Street, which is an inverted DDT on Chavo. But Chavo gets a foot on the ropes. He's a fighting champ, folks. That's right. Despite this match being cruiserweights and you think, oh... The crowd's going to love it. Boring chants break out. Yes. As Shane throws Chavo out of the ring and hits a frog splash to Chavo, who's on the ring mats, this gets no reaction for whatever reason. Shane hits a high cross for two. Then Chavo crotches Shane so hard on the top turnbuckle, he flips out of the turnbuckle onto the mat. Ouch. That's a big crotching. Chavo tries the vertebraker, the cheek of him, trying this guy's finisher on him. But Shane, of course, hey, that's my move. He reverses it into a vertebraker of his own, which is an awesome-looking move. Hits it on Chavo, and we have a new cruiserweight champion, folks. Sugar Shane Helms, before he turned into a superhero and joined up with uh, Rosie in the WWE. And he parties with the Sugar Babies, and they dance to his dubbed-over theme as he celebrates his big cruiserweight belt win. Yes. And the problem I have with this match is these guys don't wrestle like cruiserweights. No. They are the... I knew you weren't going to like this match. When you're a cruiserweight, you can either be a high flyer, or you can be a super technical wrestler like Dean Malenko, or you can have... So much charisma and such a great move set like Chris Jericho. You can just be an outstanding, be a stand, you know, it doesn't matter what size Chris Jericho is, he's going to succeed because he's got a killer move set. He, he's like Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Just a guy that can do it all. So you have to be a guy that can do it all, a technical prowess, or a high flyer. And Sugar Shane Helms was wrestling this match like um, just a normal, boring wrestler. He was, he was wrestling like Lex Luger. He even yeah. had the white boots like Lex Luger. Yeah. And Chavo can be a high flyer, but he was it was like Chavo was coming down to Shane's level to get Shane over. And so I just didn't enjoy this match. I mean, Shane would progress and become a better wrestler. I love the Hurricane. I I think I love the Hurricane gimmick, not so much Shane Helms wrestling. It's it's just not for me. I I don't know. It's it's just kind of the worst cruiserweight you can be is what Shane Helms wrestled like. I didn't much care for the match either because I was wanting at least something from the top rope and I didn't really get anything. <laughs> yeah, no. So. Well, especially when you had cruiserweights on the show earlier that were doing awesome shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had a guy, Jason Jett, that people didn't even know who he was and he's wrestling his ass off and you had these guys just putting on basically a, a house show match. Yeah. And this was the title match. Yeah. I did like how they presented Sugar Shane. I mean, they presented him like a star. I mean, that entrance, he had a cool theme song. His finisher was cool. But you gotta you gotta have more than that. And he just didn't at this point. And but there was something there. It just wasn't developed yet. A bad cruiserweight title match. 
it kind of made me wonder, like, where where was Hoovy? Well, you know, like, where are some of the other... Where's La Parca? Where's Hooventude? You know, or, or Psychosis. I mean, where's Psychosis? Where are all these other guys, you know, like... I wonder why Hoovy... Well, you mentioned La Parca. But, uh, but the likes of... of Well, Hoovy did get picked up by WWE later on, didn't he? He did, yeah. He had a little short run with the Mexicools coming out on a lawnmower. Yeah. But, yeah. It may... Well, this... We can talk about it at the end of the show. There's a lot of guys. I'm like, where are these guys? Yeah. This show would have been a lot better with some of the missing pieces, but a big problem with WCW is getting people to come to work. So, yeah. And that that was a problem they had for years. So This is, without a doubt, one of the best matches of the night next. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we go back to Buff's handy cam. Thank goodness. Flair and Jarrett, they say they aren't kissing anyone's ass tonight, and they high-five each other like Woo-hoo. a couple of nerds. Booker T then gives a pre-tape promo where he reads off the teleprompter because he's scared shitless of cutting a promo. He says he wants the U.S. belt because he's never had it. And don't hate the player, hate the game. Well, we've heard him cut a promo on Hogan in the past, and that just doesn't work well when he goes off the top of his head. So, Yeah, sometimes a, an, an N-word slips in there sometimes. <laughs> so it's probably best that he reads off the teleprompter. Love Booker. But he, his speaking skills ne- never made it. <laughs> a video package recaps totally buffs feud with Palumbo and O'Hare. What's the feud about? It's about being buff. I don't know. And I call this match the Roid Monsters Explode as everybody in this match is packing on the muscle mass. They are this, jacked. This is Vince McMahon's wet dream come true. <laughs> Lex... Uh oh, comes out and grabs a microphone. Get ready, guys, because I'm including it here. You know, when you look as good as we do, when you're built like us, when you wrestle like we do, multi time world heavyweight champion, multi time U.S. heavyweight champion, and buff. How many tag titles do you possess? At least five or six. I know it's a record because nobody else has ever done it with four different partners. And we're going to do it again tonight. That's why you're totally buffed. Together with the total package, buff is the stuff. That's why we're the ones who did the impossible. We ended the career of the monster, Bill Goldberg never to be seen in a WCW building again. He's right about that. Oh, God, let's bring him back. Move on. Come on, please. Go over. Yeah. Come on, let's hear you, please, together in sequence. Yes. When you possess all we possess, you're as successful as we have been and continue to be. You're as wealthy as we are. Sometimes even we, with all we possess, can become a little overconfident. That may have happened the last couple of weeks. Sean Palumbo and Chuck O'Hare is the other way around. I, I think it's Chuck Palumbo 
and Sean O'Hare, I think. I'm, not sure. I'm sorry, guys. It's hard to remember names of rookies, but maybe you guys snuck up on us just a little bit. Maybe you guys possess some talent. Maybe someday you'll even be almost as big as stars as Buff the Stuff and Total Package. But tonight, but tonight you're gonna find out why I'm the Total Package and I'm Buff Bagwell. And that's why we're called Totally Buff. Now don't leave your television set for a moment, grab a beer or blink your eyes. Cause they're going to school tonight. This won't take us long. He says they've won a lot of title belts. He mentions being like a three-time world champion, being a TV champ, and he says, Hey, Buff, how many tag titles have you won? Because that's all that Buff has won. And then Buff says, I, I don't know, but it's a record. Ha, 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 ha. It's a terrible promo. With five different tag team partners. That's what he's proud of, is that he can't keep a tag team partner. Scott Norton is somewhere jealous that he wasn't in this match. Although Vicious and Delicious is a great That tag. was my favorite run. That's a great tag team name. That is, that's a huge, I mean, uh, outstanding great tag team name. As Luger Wonderful. is cutting this boring promo, the crowd chants for Goldberg, another guy who didn't show up for work this week. The promo goes on forever. Luger really burns Palumbo and O'Hare because he doesn't know their names. He mispronounces yeah. them. Oh, what a burn. Chuck O'Hare and Sean Palumbo. Even by Luger standards, this is a bad one. <laughs> Here we go. Palumbo and O'Hare come out, beat the hell out of Totally Buffed. Palumbo super kicks both of them. O'Hare, Sean bombs both of them. And O'Hare and Palumbo squash totally buffed and the match is over. And the crowd went wild because this was awesome. Greatest match of the night. People don't value a good squash match anymore. No, because this made them look like huge stars. And you knew Buff and Luger were still going to be able to... They could take this and keep going. Right. So this, this only added to... People wonder why, you know, Goldberg was so over. Because he came in and squashed people. It's fun to see someone just get demolished. Yeah. And demolished not just a random jobber, you know, that loses his wig, but people that you know. Lex Luger just got his ass handed to him in 50 seconds. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I thought this was, yeah, this was actually the best booked match on the whole show. It made, it made... O'Hare and Palumbo look like these guys are going to be squaring off for the world title in the near future. And they would. They would win them on Nitro. The crowd loved it. I think they were the champions here, though. I might be wrong. Yeah, no, I'm talking about a singles run, though. Oh, yeah, these guys are going to set the world on fire. It made them look like they were that good. It was actually shocking to me, not so much that Buff did this, but that Luger showed up for work to get squashed. Because he's one of those guys that could have said, fuck that, I'm not working tonight. Yeah. Because, you know, you didn't see Nash in here taking this loss. You didn't see all these other you know, WCW guys doing this. So I was quite surprised to see Luger do this. That He must have thought a lot of these guys to do that because WCW mentality, fuck that, I'm not doing that. Right. Go fuck yourself. Right. I'm staying home and getting paid at the same time. So Buff, on the other hand, like, I can see him doing it because, yeah, he would be fine. Uh, 
both of them would be fine. If if more guys would put their ego aside and get squashed every once in a while, it would help more people get over. Right. You'd make more stars and everyone would make more money. But people don't see it that way. That's the thing. I feel like going into uh, to WrestleMania, if they did that with Ronda Rousey, just she, she beat the shit out of Stephanie and the match is over in like two seconds. Yeah. Angle doesn't even tag in. Rock doesn't yeah. even tag in. Yeah. That what that is going to build so much and add so much to her character. You do more with less. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to go twenty minutes. Exactly. People just don't value that anymore. So the crowd loved it. Uh, they popped big for this. All five thousand of them <laughs> loved it. The last few WCW fans left. You know, loved it. Now a highlight for my night: Scott Steiner promo time, everybody, Uh-oh. and I'll include it. And there's no better place to cut a promo than in the shower with his head freak, Medasia. It's awesome because he's screaming and the mic is overmodulated and you can't understand anything that he's saying other than, DDP, you're white trash. You're white trash, DDP. And that's what we get from our world champion, Scott Steiner. Paige is here. Put up or shut up. Let's take it with Get my hands dirty on this one because false caught anywhere. When you run out of the crowd, I'm going to follow you and pin you amongst your own white trash. You're going down, Paige. (laughs) Luger and Buff, they have been laying in the ring this entire time. They are scraped up like the garbage that they are and are whisked away to the back and walk off into the sunset. So, Never to be heard from again. No, that's it for them. Literally. (laughs) Well, for Luger, definitely. Well, for Buff, too, because he didn't have a quick... Oh, yeah, he it, had that one night on Raw, and that was uh, the end of uh, Mr. Bagwell. Positive Canyon is out next to take on the Cat and Miss Jones, and this is where I wanted to take a nap. Who better I, than Canyon? A lot of people. And this match, just, I didn't care at all about this see, match. See, and And I agree with you. What bothers me is, is I like both of these guys. I do, too. I think Canyon is underrated. Uh, I thought Cat, when he debuted with Glacier and was uh, actually, you know, wrestling every week, I thought he looked pretty good. I liked the martial arts style or whatever. But then he turned into the commissioner and didn't wrestle every week. And by now, he's a little out of shape. He's wrestling in his Cheetah stuff. He's doing the James Brown shit. I'm just, I was checked out. Yeah of the cat at this point and the fact that he's wrestling tells and that just goes on to show you again look at all these people that didn't show up to work this week because the cat is in a match wrestling apparently chris canyon wants to beat up miss jones i don't know why but he attacked her he hates he hates women and he hates miss jones even though canyon's beef is actually with ddp and that's not addressed at all in this show but anyway Cat is going to rip Canyon's ugly-ass face off his face. What a wonderful promo from the cat. And this is why we have scripted promos today. Cat and Canyon brawl in the aisleway before they eventually go into the ring. Cat drops Canyon out of the electric chair position and smashes Canyon's face into the mat. Then he hits a massive powerbomb on Canyon, so he's wrestling... He's wrestling as you should in a feud that involves someone beating up your girlfriend at first. But then he slows down. Cat continues to beat Canyon's ass on the outside of the ring. Eventually, Canyon slows the cat down with raking his neck across the ropes. 
Then he hits a top turnbuckle clothesline, a vertical suplex, and an elbow drop. Get a two count. Then Canyon hits a top turnbuckle famouser on the cat for a two count, which was cool. I, I never see that anymore. Canyon hits a swing neck breaker, but gets crotched on the top rope by the cat. Cat superplexes Canyon for a two count. A sunset flip attempt on the cat fails, and cat nails his big karate kick to Canyon, but only gets a two count. Canyon tries a dirty pin for the three count. Billy Silverman counts it. Match over, right? Nope. Billy Silverman says, oh, no, no. The match goes on. I saw your foot on the ropes, which is bullshit. Because once that hand comes down for the three, Patrick, that's it. Oh, that's referee's discretion, though. Cat tries a pile driver, but Canyon hits a shitty Alabama slam to get out of it. And then locks in a Boston Crab. Cat hits the feliner. Get it? It's a spinning karate kick thing, but Canyon gets a foot on the ropes to save the uh, pinfall. Miss Jones distracts the ref. Canyon then decks the ref for looking at Miss Jones and then says, Miss Jones, get your ass in the ring. The cat holds Canyon so Miss Jones can get a free kick in on that asshole Chris Canyon. But as it often happens, she misses and kicks the cat in the head instead. She wants to fight Canyon now on her own. Canyon grabs her arm, so we're going to have some domestic violence. But she stops him by kicking him, and then Cat hits another feliner, and the ref magically wakes up, and the cat gets the win. As the crowd pops for the finish, but the match should have been laid out much, much differently and uh, went on a little too long. Yeah. But the highlight of this match is still to come because a big cameo happens next. Canyon wants all his heat back, so he hits a flatliner on the cat, and then he wants to beat up Miss Jones when some soul music hits. And who runs to the ring? Well, Tony Schiavone says, That's smooth! It's the cat's limo driver, but you know him better as Ice Train. Ladies and gentlemen, Ice Train is on the final WCW <laughs> pay-per-view. One of my highlights from this show is seeing Ice Train. Yes. And he beats Canyon's ass for trying to beat Miss Jones. And then Ice Train, Cat, and Miss Jones all celebrate as the limo driver and his clients can celebrate a big win. Yeah, they're able to go back and uh, take the winner's purse on home with them. <sighs> this match just, it really wore on me. I'm sorry. And I like these guys, but... I do too. And I still am a little bitter that Canyon got fired from WWE so quickly. I don't think he was given a fair shake of a fair run. That's what I think about DDP's run in the in the Fed as well. Just well, DDP was just totally mis misused. Yeah, and Canyon, yeah, I think Canyon could have been one of those guys to elevate out of the mid card to a main eventer. Yeah, I do too. I agree. Uh, he was he took insane bumps. He had a great move set. Very entertaining promos. Um, WCW was just you know. There was nothing the man wouldn't do. He was he was Mick Foley with a better moveset. There was nothing the man wouldn't do and for the business. What was great in WCW is you saw his progression from like a jobber on worldwide working all his way, working his way up to right. where I really think had WCW stayed in business, he probably would have gotten to the main event level. Especially, I think he could have had a good babyface run. They were really short on babyfaces uh, in the main event scene. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem 
it was a problem WWF had too at this time. But I, Canyon, yeah, Canyon's one of those guys. It, he really bum. It really his whole story just really bums me out. Uh, one yeah. of the saddest stories in wrestling in general. Um, the fact that he never made it to to that main event level, so his career didn't go that way, and then he had to keep this this secret that he was gay or whatever. He was scared to right to do that, so he had to live a lie basically, and then. All the depression and everything after he lost. Just a terrible story. I just really... Canyon's one of those guys that I just feel so bad for. And, uh, yeah, a totally wasted talent. Could have been great. We've talked about it before on here. I I put Mike Awesome in that, in that same... Yeah, same thing. Same exact level. Uh, had the look, had the capability, had the work ethic. Could have made a vintage, could have... Just wasn't given a fair shake, and unfortunately, we've tragically lost him way too soon. We've lost both of them way too soon. Yeah, so missed opportunity with Canyon. Not a this is not a good showing for him, but there there are much better Canyon matches. But uh, I loved him as Mortis too. I thought that that was a cool character added to his. Well, I think it's repertoire. it's really impressive that he's given a gimmick where he has a mask and he's this you know cartoonish villain or whatever but he's still able to break out of that and have a success well not a, and have a career after that because it's not like glacier you know was still in the mix at right. this point you know he was able to overcome everything he was handed he made the most of it right and he could have been so much more so it's just a bummer we go back to Buff's handy cam, and he is not happy with the total package, and they argue about their loss. So it looks like totally buffed is uh, totally done. Then we go back to Dusty's locker room, where Dusty is teasing having diarrhea, which would be an, a, a, a very symbolic way to end WCW, is uh, a man having diarrhea in the ring. Especially Dusty Rhodes shitting all over WCW. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, it would have been a pretty bad ending to this company, but uh, luckily we didn't have that. But he does tell Dustin that he feels it coming on. He feels uh, it's bubbling. It's bubbling. It's a bubbling. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bubbling. Tony and Scott Hudson are our announced team tonight, by the way. They bullshit about Dusty's farting strategy. Uh Says that's a unique strategy. And then we get a promo piece for the U.S. title match between Rick Steiner, the Dogface Gremlin, and Booker T, which is next. Booker's out first. Then Rick comes out in his T-shirt and tights and his dyed beard. Now, his beard is blacker than his black shirt. He His Just for Men budget was through the roof because I've never seen a blacker. The pirate black beard didn't have a beard this black. But Rick Steiner did. I believe it was shoe polish. I wrote here, Rick Steiner from 1991 would be awesome in this match against <laughs> Booker T from 2001. This would have been a dream match. Unfortunately, it's Rick Steiner from 2001. I sort of miss his uh, wrestling headgear. He should have kept that gimmick. I, I do, too. I do, too. And when I had a match with him, I told him that, too. And uh, he pulled it out of his bag. He said he still carries it to every show. It's never left his bag, so I, th- I found that to be entertaining, too. Steiner knocks Booker into the first row. Then he rakes Booker's eyes and throws him into the ring, hits a sit-out powerbomb, and Rick has had all the offense so far, so I'm thinking, man, this is uh, going to be quite an upset here. Steiner's going to beat him. But then Booker fires up, and Rick low-blows him, so slows him down immediately. 
Booker hits a back suplex to Rick. Rick belly bellies Booker, then hits a nasty clothesline into a headlock, but Booker hulks up again. Hits a running forearm, a terrible-looking Alabama slam, and a scissor kick, which has been dubbed the Ghetto Blaster. Very politically correct. Hits Rick with a face buster, does a spinneroonie, spent too much time on the spinneroonie, and Rick hits Booker with a released German suplex. Mickey J takes a ref bump in the eye, ouch. Shane Douglas then jumps the guardrail for some reason. You think he's here to help Rick? No, he's here to fuck Rick over. He hits Rick with a cast on his hand. Rick falls down, Booker hits the bookend, and we have a new U.S. champion, Booker T. And Booker celebrates with his new belt, which he would be adding another belt to his collection very, very soon, as he would end WCW as the dual U.S. and world champion. A feat that WWE told us never happened uh, the last time that it happened. With Seth Rollins, I think. Yeah. Steiner had his moments, but it was mainly punchy, kicky, and... uh, the goal of the match was to make Booker look good. Uh, he was... It was successful. It was successful. Booker is the only main event face that shows up to work. So you need to keep him well, looking... Well, D- DDP. <laughs> oh, yeah, DDP tonight. So you have two. And uh, DD- this would be DDP's last match tonight. I don't think he was on the Nitro the next night. So our final DDP match coming up. But WCW built three guys. DDP, Goldberg, and Booker T. And... Uh, this was a uh, Booker T showing. I know. Yeah. He looked fine. Uh, I still, I prefer him with the short hair here. He looked great. He, uh, Rick was, uh, like, I, like I said, Rick was in this match because he showed up to work. I mean, that's, I love Rick Steiner, but 2001 Rick Steiner, uh, sorry, buddy. It's, uh, slow it down. What'd you think of this match? I enjoyed the match. Uh, I hated the Shane Douglas interference, considering it went nowhere. Mickey J. Uh, oh yeah, taking that eye bump. Yeah, he took the uh, the Harlem yeah. sidekick. And he took the uh, Eddie Edwards uh, baseball bat bump to the oh, face. Oh man, that poor kid. I feel so sorry for him. That was. We hope you get better, Eddie. That was <laughs> God Almighty. That was that baseball bat tore him wide open. Back to the Buff Bagwell cam. Uh-oh, someone else is using it because Buff has been busted. Yep. And we'll never find out who. So, there you go. See, the the ju- I was wanting to know who was jumping people from behind. We never found out. Road Warrior Animal is angry about this and wants to find who is responsible. In 2018, he's still looking. A promo piece recaps our next match featuring two legends... It all started when Jeff Jarrett made fun of Dusty Rhodes being fat. And so he Correct. beat up a guy in a fat suit. And so now it's a family feud because Dustin isn't going to tolerate that. And so Dusty will team with his son and Ric Flair with his adopted son, Jeff Jarrett. I have to say, I love Dusty's WCW music. I really enjoyed it. I, I like his WWF one. I do too, but I really did enjoy this. Um... The fact that you have the Bullwood, the son of a plumber, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, going one-on-one with Ric Flair in and of itself is is outstanding. Yeah, uh, Dusty, who had left the company, did a little stint in ECW and 
I uh, finally came back home here uh, yeah. for the last the last hurrah in his backyard in uh, Florida, Jacksonville, and got to wrestle with his son. Yeah, and, but to see what to see what all he was capable of doing, and to see how entertaining he could be, shows you just what how great these two men were. You don't have to go in there and have a five star classic and hit. You know, a Canadian destroyer and, uh, you know, uh, Styles Clash and a phenomenal forearm. You can just go in there and be entertaining. Yeah. And uh, that's what Dusty did in this match. And he got everything he could out of that crowd. I mean, they reacted as if he was, you know, hit a jackknife powerbomb. You know? Yeah, that that is something that we really are missing today. Jeff Jarrett... He's the only one that came dressed for work today. He's in his actual tights. Him and his little guitar with its fireworks spooter are out first. Then Ric Flair comes out, not He's, dressed for work. He looks okay. Ric Flair looks like <laughs> Bart Simpson. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, I would. Bart Simpson. There you go. Well, he's got spiky hair. He had his head shaved in 2000, and his hair grew back, uh, kind of weird, and he spiked it up. He he gelled, spiked it kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, not not a good look for an older man uh, like that. I'm thinking we're going to have Animal take his place, you know. Road Warrior Animal's walking out with him. Oh, yeah, well, I do want to mention that he comes out wearing a Hawaiian shirt and khakis, basically. He looks like he's... And in, in, in street shoes, not boots, street shoes. Yeah, he looks like he's going through a midlife crisis. Yes. He, he looks like he's visiting Margaritaville. Tony Schiavone, who, by the way, had some of the worst fashion, if you go back and watch Nitros. That's true. That, it, Tony Schiavone is one of the worst dressers, even to this day. Even when you look at pictures of him from his podcast, this man can't dress himself. But even Tony makes fun of Ric Flair's attire. So that's how bad Ric Flair looked here. And uh, Ric Flair even admitted it, that he was out of shape. He was not a regular wrestler he was the authority on nitro and so he wasn't wrestling and so on the final nitro he wrestles in a t-shirt and something to this day he says he still regrets that he wasn't in shape to wrestle so that's why he's covered up in his hawaiian uh shirt gear here and then yeah as you mentioned he comes out with uh road warrior animal and he says uh yeah i don't really want to wrestle tonight jeff you can just wrestle by yourself yeah. Gee, thanks. Bait and switch. Card subject to change. I'd be pissed if I was in that crowd. <laughs> you said Ric Flair was going to wrestle. Right. Now you just said, I uh, quit. I'm the boss. I don't have to wrestle. Yeah. A true WCW worker. I'm not fucking wrestling. Fuck you. Dustin comes out. The American Finally. Dream. Gets a big pop. In in the great state of Florida, the American Dream has returned. And that place goes absolutely batshit crazy. I mean, they were tearing... When I say they were hanging from the rafters, they really were. That place was going nuts. Well, there was no one in the rafters because uh, they there was only 5,000 people there. But yes, they were all going crazy. They loved seeing Dusty Rhodes here. As stupid as the gimmick behind this match... As stupid as this storyline is... Erase that from your mind and just enjoy Dusty Rhodes, you know, and back Ric Flair. In, yeah. Back in the great state where he won his NWA title, his first, by the way, uh, back in the great state that he is 
he called home that he was so proud of and did most of his wrestling from in the state of Florida. That was just, I don't know, it gave me goosebumps watching it. Oh, it was awesome. The reactions to him and Flair were the best parts of this show, next to Jason Jett, of course. Uh, No, it was the best part of the show, by far. Lil Nate is the ref for this match, so there's some collusion here. But he does enforce the rules and says, Flair, you get your ass in there and you wrestle. And he turns around and sends Road Warrior Animal to the back. You're out of here. This is only two on two. No outside interference. Lots of stalling here to start the match. Dustin then levels Jarrett with strikes. Dustin, by the way, as bad as Flair's fashion is, um, the natural, uh, yeah, you need to uh, go to Goodwill and uh, get a new outfit because... You didn't like it? Oh, God. Terrible. Dustin, and it's not like he ever dressed well when he was the natural, but this was bad. I liked it. Of course you the did. Black, the black shirt and the uh, the red leather pants. He looked like a redneck clown, sort of. No, I would rather see him dressed as Seven. Well, that's basically what Seven wore, except with red pants. <laughs> he Gold Dust is fine. I, he's <laughs> fine. He's had better looks. I would prefer that he just wore. I don't. I don't know what I want to see this guy in, but not this. <laughs> Dustin hits the corner punches to Jarrett. Dustin then crotches Jarrett on the post. Dustin goes to the top turnbuckle. He never does that. Of course he doesn't. He's doing it to get countered by a big boot from Jeff Jarrett. Then the Nature Boy tags in, even though he didn't want to work. He didn't mind tagging in. And he chops Dustin. It's not so great when you have shirts on and you get chopped. You don't get that big sound effect. Flair hammers Dustin until Dustin looks over to Dusty and says, It's your turn, Pops. And tags in his father. And the crowd goes fucking mental because, my God, we're getting Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. It is 2000. Think of what you just said. These two men squared off in 1979 for the very first time. 1979 was the first time they were in the ring together. And it is 2001, and you are still seeing in the ring together the American Dream Dusty Rhodes and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. That's insane. The crowd came to their feet. Literally. Just for him coming into the ring. Dusty gets the biggest smile on his face and... It almost brought a tear to my eye because I, I just, you know, Dusty, losing Dusty a few years ago, it's a big loss. And it just when Dusty Rhodes smiles, it just, I mean, you can't help but just feel good when this guy yeah. uh, smiles. The crowd comes to their feet. Then Dusty does his classic strutting and showing Flair his ass. And they are just going wild to see this guy doing his old uh, funny stuff that he would do. Dusty then chops the shit out of Ric Flair and gives him the bionic elbow. Then the shake, rattle, and roll punches. Then Dustin suplexes Flair and hits an inverted atomic drop to Jarrett. Dustin wants to hit the Shattered Dreams, but Ric Flair low blows him to save Jarrett from getting kicked in the balls. Flair and Jarrett then keep the heat on Dustin while Dusty awaits the hot tag. Dustin escapes a figure four, tries a backslide on Flair, but Jarrett stops him before he can get the tag to Dusty. Jarrett locks in the figure four to Dustin, but Dustin reverses the pressure, and Jarrett gets to the ropes. Then Flair and Dream once again get the hot tags, and bionic elbows for everybody, for Jarrett and Flair, 
And then a double shake, rattle, and roll to Jarrett and Flair, and the crowd goes mental. Dusty then hits his big elbow drop, but Jarrett breaks up the pinfall. Dustin gets tagged in. The heels try stereo figure fours to Dusty and Dustin, but they get kicked into each other. Then Dustin, out of nowhere, just rolls up Flair and gets the fluke win. Yeah. Quick roll up. One, two, three. Kind of a flat finish for... This match should have just been a singles match between Dusty and Rick. There's no yeah. explanation. To, I, I know what they were thinking is Dusty can't go. Flair's not in the best shape. Let's have these other guys in there. To, to You didn't need that. This could have been five minutes, six minutes. They could have stalled. They could have jawed with the crowd. They could have done all their shit. They, they didn't need Dustin and Jarrett. That's what I'm saying. Think about what you just said and what we talked about earlier of why WCW is not open today. Because I don't care if Dusty was still with us and 80 years old and Ric Flair still with us at 80 years old. You put Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes in a singles match, even at 80 years old, I guarantee you, you're going to get five minutes of an entertaining match that is going to blow your mind. That is how good these two men were. And the fact that no one in that entire fucking place backstage spoke up and said hey you have an opportunity of a lifetime here just chill out let them do their thing i guarantee you they'll deliver no yeah yeah, no we had to fucking throw jeff jarrett no offense and dustin no offense because i love both of them very much but we had to throw them in the match and screw up what quite possibly could have been like a, a Hogan Rock moment. Yeah, where just a, a, a send-off of, of what truly was a piece of wrestling history in WCW. That's all I'm saying. But instead, you had to put the stipulation of the kiss-my-ass shit in there. You had to put the, the dust eat and the burritos and all that fucking nonsense. Yeah. When, it all can't, when it's all said and done... The people didn't give a shit about any of that. No. In fact, there was no payoff because Flair didn't have to kiss Dusty's ass. The whole point of this match didn't even pay off at the end. Yeah, yeah. You got Jeff Jarrett getting a stink face from Dusty. So Dustin gets his fluke win. Dusty then gets the mic and says, I'd like you to say it in your Dusty voice. Flair, time to pucker up and kiss my ass. Rick Flair, it's time to pucker up and kiss my hairy white ass. <laughs> pucker them lips up and come in here. And kiss my big white ass. So you think, okay, Flair is going to get dragged back in here and you're going to get the payoff to this stupid storyline. Exactly. Nope. Instead, uh, Jarrett is held down by Dustin in the corner. Dusty starts taking his pants off. I got worried for a second. I really did too. (laughs) But he was wearing a Speedo underneath and he did not give us the full cheeks and he stink faces Jarrett. Yeah. And that is the payoff. Look at all these Hall of Famers in the ring. This was the payoff to this match. It's yeah. just ridiculous. But I mean, each and every one of those four men are are going to be Hall of Famers. Every single one of them. Had you just stepped back. Yeah, Jarrett and Dustin could add a singles match, and Dusty and Flair could add a singles match. Had you given this that, I guarantee you. Say if uh, Ric Flair says, you know what, Dusty? 
you fat slob, if you think you can beat me, then Dustin gets a gets a chance at, at you know Double J le- later tonight, and just have a single or gets a world title shot at Steiner. Or yeah, something. something. But give us the, if you'd have given us just that. The, it just needed a much simpler storyline. Well, that's what I'm saying is that that's how these people wanted to direct every single person. There are people, younger kids like Jason Jett, that need direction. But then there's the likes of a Dusty Rhodes, a Ric Flair, a Roddy Piper. That you know what? Let them do their thing. Yeah, especially Dusty was involved in creative for yeah. years. I mean, let them do their thing, and I guarantee you they'll deliver. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. If you can't hand the reins off, if you have to overcomplicate a story with Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, then you are overthinking things. Exactly. Way too much. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, these these there's some people you can just take your hands off and say, I, I trust you. You know, yeah. I think you guys have been in the business long enough, worked together long enough, understand what the people want, how to make this magical. Y'all do your do thing. It. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to have a kiss my ass step. We don't yeah. need uh, the father-son dynamic, which Flair couldn't even have because no David. So... It just uh, yeah, they just overthought this. Yeah, and the simple stuff that they, the simplest stuff in the match worked, and yeah. everything else didn't. Yeah, I mean, a just just a case of overthinking. I don't even think Dusty took a backdrop, or I mean a. a no, back he didn't bump. have to. No. That's yeah. The thing is. Yeah, and Rick didn't hardly bump. I mean, what, a couple times for uh, Dusty did drop that one elbow, so he did hit the mat one time. But that that's all he needs. Yeah, that's all you need from these guys. Yeah. They've earned the right to not have to take bumps. Well, no, I'm know? not saying that. What I'm saying is, once again, less is more. Yeah. The so, crowd would have loved to seen more bionic elbows. They would have loved to seen more of the Dusty doing the stuff. They would have loved to seen a flare flop, a flare flip, uh, flare getting cut off the top turnbuckle. All yeah. the Hit the greatest hits Yeah. and just be done with it. If it, if, <laughs> if, if it works... Leave it to hell alone. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, that's just plain and simple. But they wanted to fuck it up. And it's it's kind of sad, but yet it is historic. It had cool moments, didn't it? It had, it had, it had, like I said, it had such cool moments that I went back for the rest of the day after finishing watching this pay-per-view this morning and spent all day long watching rivalry matchups and historical moments strictly with nothing but Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes. And now it's time for our main event for the last WCW pay-per-view ever. The promo package recaps Scott Steiner's feud with DDP. What's the feud all about? Well, Scott Steiner thinks DDP's a redneck. That's it. That's all you need. Literally. He's white trash, even though he's from New Jersey. Whatever. He's he's like one of the most professional guys. Like He's not white trash at all. Steiner just mentions that he's beat a ton of people who, by the way, didn't show up for work tonight, including Sting, Goldberg, and Nash. Tony and Scott preview the match on camera. Then Michael Buffer, one last time, everybody. Michael Buffer, who hated calling wrestling matches, is here for the final WCW pay-per-view. Why did he hate calling wrestling matches? I don't think they paid him extra. It was because he had a contract with... Showtime, which was owned by Time Warner. Right. So he had to do these as freebies, I think. Or, you know, didn't get paid much extra. Probably got, you know, room and board, but 
because he had this contract, he got. So the whole time through WCW, he had to do this. He just didn't like it. Really? Yeah, he did not like showing up to this shit. Okay. It's a Falls Count Anywhere match because why not? DDP is out first. Holler if you hear me. Here comes the world champ Scott Steiner and his head freak, Madasia. Patrick, despite what you think, I actually think this will be a good match. Really? I do. I have faith in WCW Scott Steiner because I actually think he was okay uh, in most of his main event matches. Okay. When he wanted to put it on, he could he could do it. Okay. Now, when he got to WWE against Triple H, no. He... he that was steroids had taken its toll on his brain. Not only that, but him, Scott Steiner, working as a face is just not. It doesn't. This work. man is not a face. No. There's nothing about this man that says I can relate to that guy. Yeah. He's a common man. He's Dusty <laughs> Rhodes. Yeah. Exactly. Steiner calls DDP a bitch as he punches him in the face. DDP hits a top turnbuckle clothesline as they spill outside. They walk and brawl near the guardrail. Steiner jaws with the fat asses in the crowd as he strikes DDP. Then they go fighting through the crowd. Steiner hits a garbage can shot to Diamond Dallas Page. Then steals a boy's crutch. What an asshole. <laughs> and hits DDP with it. Steiner then sets up a table and DDP elbow drops him through it. Then DDP finds another garbage can and hits Steiner with it this time. Then they walk and brawl back to the ring. Then a very odd sequence happens, something that I'm still confused about. So they're on the entrance ramp, and one fan is on one side at the guardrail, and one fan is on the other. Correct. They have giant black circles. Correct. With nothing written on them but a white piece of tape. These are serving trays that you can find at any local restaurant. But they had to be plants, because why would they you bring... They were plants. The boy with the crutch was a plant. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. What are the odds that a... But... This, this if match If you're was, going to have a guy holding something up... And the tape, they were already pre-broke, and the tape was holding them together. Thank you for explaining that. But it's just odd that they didn't say anything. It wasn't like a sign, like... Yeah, it was that... That's how ridiculous WCW had gotten <laughs> to this point, that we didn't even try to hide, here's what we're doing. So Steiner takes this plate thing from the fan and gets in the fan's face and is like, fuck you, and like shoves the fan. Yeah, he pie faces him. And then smashes DDP over the head with it and then goes back to the fan and yells at him again, even though the fan technically helped him. As he turns. DDP took the one from the other fan and smashes him, and so now Steiner is a bloody mess. There was no way these weren't plants, because why would you have just a generic black round thing holding up? They had put a... It wasn't... Compl- put a little effort into it. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah. It wasn't completely broke, but it had been sawed somewhat in towards the middle to give a little bowing and bending, so it would shatter into pieces, and that's what the tape was there for, was to hold that in place until it did. That's why you It was had nice that. they made it past security with these giant plates, you know, yeah. to get into the arena. These plastic... Monica can't make it into WrestleMania with a purse, <laughs> but they can carry in just trays to smash over people's heads. <laughs> Steiner is now bleeding over his eye from this uh, plate shot. Then Steiner does his elbow drop to DDP and his push-ups, which is not an offensive move, but is cool to see, I guess. Steiner hits a T-bone suplex on DDP for two. Locks in a bear hug. 
DDP hulks up, though, but Steiner T-bones him again. Steiner is always distracted by the crowd. This man would always let the crowd get to him. And so he jaws with the crowd, and while he does that, DDP goes on the attack, but gets slowed as Steiner boots him and hits him with a belly-to-belly. But DDP kicks out at two. DDP wakes up from the dead and hits a desperation DDT, but can't get a cover because he's too damn hurt. DDP charges at Steiner in the corner and gets a back elbow that sounded disgusting as it smashed into his head. Diamond Dallas Page counters his suplex with a sloppy-looking DDT. Then he calls for the diamond cutter, but Steiner mule kicks him and DDTs him. DDP then rams Steiner into the corner, hits the diamond cutter... But out of nowhere, Rick Steiner, hey, you were done for the night, buddy. DDP takes out Rick Steiner and retrieves Nick Patrick, who had taken a ref bump. Goldberg chants break out. Sorry, guys. No Goldberg. DDP then rolls up Steiner, and the kickout makes DDP land on Nick Patrick, so Nick Patrick takes two ref bumps. He's going to get an extra thing in his paycheck this week. Steiner then grabs the WCW world title belt, belt shots DDP, who bursts open at the face. This man uh, looks like a fucking... like he's been in a Saw movie. He's got so much blood pouring out of him. Yeah, he's he's pouring blood pretty bad. Despite being split wide open, kicks out of a belt shot to a decent reaction. Then Steiner locks in a Boston Crab, and this is Shades of WrestleMania 13 as we get the bloody DDP, but... With WCW's camera work, of course, we don't zoom into it to get the full effect. Uh, DDP makes it to the ropes. Steiner then tries the Steiner recliner, but DDP once again powers his way to the ropes. This man just will not die. Steiner is losing his mind. Rick Steiner then decks DDP behind Nick Patrick's back, even though this is a false Count Anywhere match. You don't really need to hide that, but whatever. Steiner then goes and retrieves a metal pipe and pipe shots DDP three times. This is Shades of WrestleMania X7, which hasn't happened yet for some reason. Pipe shots DDP three times, drags DDP away from the ropes, puts him in the Steiner recliner, and Nick Patrick, that fucking heel, does the quickest three arm raises in the history of the world, and DDP is declared out unconscious, and Scott Steiner... Reigns supreme as he wins the match and retains the WCW World Heavyweight title in the final WCW pay-per-view. I noted a great main event, a fine way to close out WCW's pay-per-view history. Steiner not done beating DDP's ass. He hits him a few more times with a pipe, and we go off the air with highlights from the night, and we're out, and we're out of business. So long, see you, and good night. What did you think of the main event between Scotty Steiner and Diamond Dallas Page? Well, it was no Dusty and Rick. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Uh, it was what it needed to be. I enjoyed it. It kind of reminded me of Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon from King of the Ring, where it was way too violent for a feud that really didn't have a lot going for yes. it. Like where yes. Shane McMahon called Kurt Angle a sissy, and that meant that he got murdered at <laughs> King of the Ring. And in this case, you have Scott Steiner saying, "Ah, oh, you're a piece of white trash," and now DDP has to get murdered uh, in the ring. Uh, it seems it just seems way too violent for like what it was. Like Kimberly Page was no longer an on-screen character, but if she had been involved somehow, if there's 
Medasia. Beat the shit out of her or something. Something. Yeah. Something to to get the heat behind this match because it was a good match, but it just didn't feel like the st- the stakes weren't high enough the for the payoff was a lot. for the level of yeah. violence. Yeah. Like the payoff was way way too high for what was the cause. Yeah, basically. And DDP always fantastic. One of WCW's finest accomplishments. Um, He'll go on to be smiling quite a bit. Another, or stalking Sarah. Another instance of Vince not respecting anything that he didn't create, as DDP would flounder in the WWE and at his Hall of Fame speech, not one clip of his uh, WWE run was included there. Yeah, and, uh, it's crazy to think back that this guy only held the belt like three times for a total of, like twenty six days. It's crazy I mean, to think he got started already past his prime per se. Yeah, but it just goes to show how hard of a worker this guy is. Yeah. And that, I mean, that'd be like if you and I just decided tomorrow we're just, you know, we're going to go try out for, we're going to go down to NXT and give it a go and, you know, and then actually make it and main event, you know, like WrestleMania in a couple oh, of Oh, I could still do that. Now, of course, yes. Well, you haven't hit the big 3 0 yet. So you're still younger that. than DDP is when he starts wrestling. So. What did you think of WCW Greed, the final offering of WCW's pay-per-view? Well, are we going to write it, or do you want to write it? or I just talk about overall. Oh, overall, I enjoyed the hell out of it, believe I it or not. I thought I did, too. I believe it. I My expectations were totally blown away because I thought this is the dying days of WCW. This is their last show. They're about to be out of business. They're going to phone it in. They're going to put on... A piece of shit. Most of their 2000s pay-per-views were shit. Yeah. A lot of their late 90s pay-per-views were shit, so I figured this is going to be among it. But actually, for the most part, this was a pretty good wrestling show. Yeah. They kept the clutter pretty much to a minimum. There wasn't a lot of crazy uh, uh, pinata on a pole match. They did have the the ass-kissing angle, but there really wasn't a payoff to it, and it was Dusty and Ric Flair at the end of the day. So, so we can we can let that slide. I can excuse it, but it was bullshit. Uh, outside of that bullshit, I thought they did a really good job stacking this card with what they had to work with. I wish some of the I wish Sting showed up to work. I wish um, Goldberg showed up to work, but you know uh, that'd be asking too much of people. Nash that, Hall. Don't miss Nash that much uh, because Nash was working as a babyface, and I, I I hate babyface Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash in general's character, I was never a big fan of. Or his wrestling. Hogan. <laughs> Don't miss Hogan that much, really. Uh, wish, you know, it's a shame that, you know, who would have really thrived on a show that was stacked this well was all the guys that they lost, like Benoit, Jericho, and Guerrero. Yeah. Like, uh, or even Perry Saturn, Raven. A lot of the, a lot of guys that were really good wrestlers uh, would have thrived on this show. But what... The wrestlers they did have to work with, they got as much out of them as they could. I would love to have had a Malenko match in in this card. Oh, yeah. Oh, in that cruiserweight match? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Malenko, if you throw Malenko in with Shane and Chavo, that has shot this match way higher. Or him in the tag match, I think. Yeah. They finally put on a show with a lot of decent wrestling, and all their best wrestlers are no longer with the company. Right. It figures. 
It's just WCW in a nutshell. So on our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, WCW Greed. Where does it stack? I'm going to have to give it a Dustin Rhodes. Oh, the natural, yes. I am going to give this one an Ice Train. Okay. In honor of my best cameo of the night, Ice Train. So I'm six I'm six. You're right there at six three, six four. Well, he's six six wide, I think. Yeah. Uh, so. At this point, smooth as he was called. So we are we're pretty close to a pretty good show. I'm yeah. very impressed by it. I, yeah. I really just I I went in. Maybe it's because I went in with such low expectations. <laughs> I did too. But so. yeah. So, Patrick, that was my pick for this week, the death of WCW. Where will we go next week? We're going to see the thrive of WCW. We're going to we're going to go all the way back to the year I was born, 1988, to the Bunkhouse Stampede, and see exactly what is this whole phenomenon called Bunkhouse Stampede and this whole phenomenon called WCW. You're going to see in the main event, challenging... For the World Heavyweight Championship, the champion Ric Flair defending his title against Road Warrior Hawk. You have a bunkhouse stampede steel cage match. <laughs> with the likes, Only in wrestling. With the likes of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, we've got Arn Anderson, the Barbarian, yeah. Ivan Koloff, Lex Luger, Tully Blanchard. I was going to say Tully's in there. And my pick to win, the Warlord. Only four televised matches on this card, so... They're all very long, though. Yes. Nikita Koloff challenges Bobby Eaton for the NWA TV title. Larry Zabisco challenges Barry Windham for the UWF Western States Championship. We will go to the Bunkhouse Stampede, which sounds like some sort of strange gay bar out in Texas, but... (laughs) Bunkhouse Stampede 88... Retro Wrestling Podcast, Episode 70. Catch it next week. Until then, I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothing line, the clothing line. And bingo, bingo.